everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. Kristen Weitzel is a recovery nerd. Her knowledge of recovery practices from red light treatments to ice bath benefits is far from surface level. She talks deep science with John and Tex about how a variety of these kinds of practices greatly impact the nervous system. But she's quick to correct when people say that these things are in vogue. Variations of light, temperature, and breath work, for example, have been around for eons. So don't call it a comeback. Here it is, episode 549. Biohacking is my thing, right? And so this, like, we talk about flex beam as a red light device. We talk about red light signs. We talk about ice and breath and all of this. It's like biohacking, which is finding ways to change your environment inside and outside your body in order to be able to upregulate your cellular health and boost longevity, right? Because we all want to live longer, better, and as mobile as possible. So when we talk about, if there's things like that that we want to rap about, I'm pretty, I'm relatively experienced in the sense of I've been in hyperbarics, I've done ketamine therapy, I've, I've tried all the things, and I don't mean at a rave when I was 22. Together? I went to Berkeley, and uh, I used to, we, well, when I played football, we were so far below the poverty line. Uh, I had a job working security for illegal rapes, and uh, the kids would basically just dance themselves on XD till they pass out, or they would take ketamine and they would get stuck with in uh, I think they a K-hole. A K-hole. <laughs> and then they would just be laying there, and their like eyes would be moving, and we would just pick them up and like lay them on the side <laughs> of the like God. on the on the sidewalk, stack them like railroad ties, just lay them around, and then we would run after we got paid. Oh my so God. So I, I had this like really interesting, uh, like. I guess like 50 foot view of like how all these drugs interacted and not a single person ever when we ran looked like they were in a good position. They couldn't, I'm like, uh, how does this end up? Like, how do you go home after that? So yeah. Pretty good. Recreational, recreational. So yeah. But yeah. I, so I'm a crash test dummy for all these conversations. I've sweet. definitely had big fails as well as successes, right? Just by learning. And it's because I work in, in the realm of biohacking and I coach a lot of women in, in fitness, nutrition and, and that, space of you know cellular health there's things that i'm like hey how do i become the n equals one experiment of what i'm going to talk to my clients about much like you guys have done in your in your in your history and your careers right it's like what are the things that i can continue to self-experiment with and then translate to a larger audience and i imagine we've all had failures at some moments that are like that didn't work (laughs) let's not spread the love on that modello not a good recovery tool (laughs) yeah well the problem is you're drinking a case of them during the workout. You say in two cases? <laughs> During a workout. Yeah, it's a lot of carbs. All right, yeah. so uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to get, uh, let the people at home get a little background on who you are? And I mean, we obviously got where you're from, but how did you get into this? And, you know. Yeah, like- I, I, the, I'll be as brief as I can. I just, I grew up a dancer and I noticed as I was, like back in the day, you're doing ballet and there's like a body image thing going on, right? So we, we figured that that's, it's changed a bit now, which is great, but I was, always concerned with like, how can I like be high performing and have a physique that I need to have, quote unquote, for dancing and still eat? (laughs) And what does that feel like? And that just sparked a lot of curiosity around food and nutrition and ways to work out and ways to shape my body and all of that. And so that trajectory led me on a big path of trying lots of different types of diets and nutrition and workouts and from yoga to vegetarianism all through and weaving into where I sort of am now, which is living in the biohacking space, living in fitness and nutrition. Uh, I had a, a, a career for a number of years working in consumer packaged goods and quite often was the one who was, it was like happy hour and everyone's going out to happy hour and I'm like going to 
train or going and sort of getting made fun of, you know, like I don't, that happens because you, you're like a health nut or whatever. And, but I prided myself on that and eventually left corporate and found this gap where I felt like specifically with women, because, because that's who I predominantly work with, but specifically in the research around women that a lot of the, the sports performance things we do in the world and a lot of the nutrition things we do in the world and biohacking even is geared towards like the forefathers of who launched biohacking into our vernacular, which are men who are willing to take risks, right, in some way. And so that trajectory led me to go, hey, look, we're do we need to do it differently as women. We need to train differently as women. Um, and the big thing that I push a lot on, which I don't know if you guys cycle in or not, pun intended, is how, to, how women can train during their reproductive years in order to be able to grow more muscle mass, right, to more strength and power, because there's so many studies around flexibility and our hormones when it comes to our monthly cycle and building strength at a faster rate during it's about an eight or 10 day window every month. So I always have a kind of running feed of if there was a program, if you knew about this and I said to you, there's eight days a month, you can build 33% more muscle and 44% maximal power. It, we would definitely have like the John Wellborn 10 days to muscle madness program in the world. Or it would actually be a six month cycle that would actually cycle through different forms of volume and intensity and would focus on certain parts of the month. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It would be a well thought out, totally amazing program. You know, and we found a lot of this years ago when we were training uh, at Balboa with our female athletes that there were definitely times within the month that they were stronger, more explosive, and were able to do more things. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there's like hundreds of studies from the 80s. And it, it's just I say it first because in the part of my journey where I'm like transforming women from like burnout entrepreneurs into these powerhouse warriors, like this is the thing that I don't see enough, I think. And I believe we would be well suited to weave into more often around females and their reproductive years is really being able to bolster that. And I have tons of friends who are like personal trainers and doing the thing and 50% of the audience is female and we're not weaving the cycle in, in a way that is powerful and efficient and effective. And I, I want that for us, you know? Well, just trying to convince women to eat a high protein diet. I feel like it's been uh, seriously like the greatest war we've been fighting for the last 10 years. Yeah. I like high that. five to that because yeah, I, every woman who comes to me is like, they're forcing themselves on, I won't eat more than 1200 or a thousand calories. Yeah. And then their, their protein levels are so low. It's insane. Yeah. And they think like, hey, I want to be really fit, which is always funny. And I'm like, well, you know, uh, fit is just body fat. <laughs> like <laughs> if you just take a bunch of body fat, you just look like chew bubble gum if you don't have any muscle underneath. Yeah. And like and then yeah. you try to get them into it and being like eat a high protein diet. And they're like, Poof. yeah, it's amazing what happens. Yeah. So like that, that's my story. I mean, I, I this is my peak expression in the in the, you know, phrasing of Logan Gelbrick. My peak expression in the world is to show up for females and show up for people who want to create effective and efficient bodies and find not only the baseline ways, which you guys are super familiar with, of course, but to find all the the interesting and quirky biohacks or and even energetics, things that kind of, you know, there's a spectrum we talk about sometimes that's like the science spectrum and the woo spectrum. And I say, I like to say that like, I'm getting a little more woo adjacent as I get older, but just energetically, you know, how, what, what our mindset does for us and how we can stand in space and how we can work with our bodies in order to optimize everything. I don't think you're biohacking. You don't think about, you, no. you think it's like a term it's always uh, been around, but this uh, is a term. No, it's uh, Dave Asprey. Uh, everything about that dude makes uh, the skin, my skin crawl because he's such a fucking charlatan and a bullshitter. And uh, so when I heard him use it and he kept referring it to him, like what you're doing is really just human performance. 
finding creative, interesting ways to like ramp up just performance, both mental, emotional, and physical. And I don't know why that has to be a hack. Great. And I love that you're, I love that you have a strong opinion on that. And oh, I think dude, it's great oh. in some ways, because here's the conversation that doesn't happen a lot. The conversation is people get really turned off by that word. And, and it's almost a part of the reason. And maybe what, this is a bad choice. Or, uh, Biohacking in general, but the word hacking doesn't sound like a really approachable term. And part of the reason I use it in my podcast and in my work is because I want, it's so prevalent in some scene that feels like risky and edgy and all of this. And I want to make it approachable and easy and be like commonplace in a way that feels specifically comfortable to females because females for 10 years heard the word biohacking and was like, I'm not going to do that. That sounds risky. And like Ben Greenfield's putting red light on his balls and injecting things in his body. Uh, and dude, I'm, I'm telling you like those two guys, yeah. uh, between Dave Asbury and Ben Greenfield, uh, like, anything associated with biohacking usually pulls those two guys in. Yeah. And like Ben Greenfield is so far out there. I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck this guy's up to. Yeah. I, I tried to like, I mean, it's uh, like, it's, it's gone to the point of ridiculous. And yeah. I wonder if like, it's kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of, of, uh, you know, Rob Wolf and Lauren Cordain with the paleo deal. And it made a lot of sense. And then all of a sudden you have people showing up in low class and like this whole thing, like went to paleo FX where it just became fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like, ah, uh, how did these fucking Martians glob onto this pretty good idea? Well, it's just like far left or far right on some of the topics for sure. But this is like, look, this is the this is the big piece, too, is that I got I get up in front of an audience and have I present a lot on what are you doing with your training at biohacking conferences, quote unquote, because people aren't training. Right. This is like part of what I've learned from you guys. But part of what I learned looking from Deuce. to try to hack the training by going to the bot like. Like that was the thing I didn't like about Dave Asprey. Like he, uh, I'm going to hook up all these electrodes and these machines and I'm going to show you all the ways that I don't have to train when training is the best hack for performance and fitness. Sure. They're just, I think that they're like, how do I put ancient practices and physical training and modern technology and innovation to make it work? And when I, what has happened in my opinion is that everybody's leaning towards innovation and technology and people aren't looking at lifting heavy shit like yeah. there's you know you it presupposes a certain amount this is like it's a presupposes a certain amount of like flexibility and strength to be able to do a back squat right so like how do we not how do we not weave that into our workouts and there is a conversation in the in various communities about that 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 is like less effective or could be less efficient etc but the reality in my opinion is like i get so many things from training with heavy weights that i don't get on a you know, uh, a bike that you ride for nine minutes, that's going to give you 25 minutes of, 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 you know, actual benefit. It's like, it's like as right. I'm riding for nine minutes. It's like, I'm doing cardio for an hour. Cool. That's great to do. And, and when we talk about fitness variants, so I think that's really important. And I do talk about how much time women have, and this is all like men and women, how much time do we have in our schedule? How much variance are we working in? There are a lot of strong guys in the biohacking community that are using that tech that have zero mobility sure. and zero cardio capacity. Sure. And so like that, that is where I strongly But they look agree. great. Well, they might look great naked, but like then they're going to be 70 and in a wheelchair. I don't know. They know uh, it's like. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, uh, I, I think what we're going back to is balance. And, yeah, um, like, totally. like we were talking about, like you can spend uh, 30 hours a day if we had an extra six uh, with all these different things. But really the idea of like, what am I going to get the maximal return for the minimal input? Like if I have, um, you know, two hours a day to train, I got this and I set a sorry, part, part of my day. How do I maximize that? And more importantly, like what's available to me that um, I mean, because, uh, you know, you could 
endlessly chase all these different modalities. Totally. And I what this what I love about what's happening right now is that there is a part of me that really firmly believes that there is some mid-ground, right? There is a table to be sat around with the things that you are doing and you know, maybe it's not Greenfield or Asprey, but there are people working in technology and fitness to be able to say, "Hey, how are we how are we how can we do this a little better? Or how like where are the crossovers, right, that really exist?" And there are strong opinions on both sides, and I hate to to shine a light on the fact that it's like, it's a lot of men and that's fine because there's a lot of men in the fitness segment and there's a lot of men that are creating technologies and women are more and more getting involved. We have like femtech categories and all of that, but what an interesting table to sit around to have people who are leaning towards the innovation and technology side and guys like you who are really understanding at a deep level, human performance and having that conversation, like where science meets training and where human performance meets, you know, cutting edge technology, right? So that it can be a conversation. And I don't, I don't think that that's happening enough. Mm. Like I would love for that well, to that's happen. That's why we're more. having this podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, and so there's some beautiful things in there. And I think the, the pieces of biohacking that work for me, if we're going to call it human performance, even or human optimization, I talk a lot about, you know, human optimization that I love are lean on the recovery right? Lean on the world of recovery. It is about sure. ice and cold plunging. It is about saunas. It is about red light therapy. It is about breath work, right? Breath work seems like a ridiculous thing to put under an umbrella of even the term biohacking because it's been around for thousands of years. People have been doing various different kinds of breath work, right? How do we, at the end of the day, how do we create a space? And this, this exists. This is why we do like potentiation things and stuff in fitness. It's like, how do we create a space where our nervous system feels safe and or primed to do what we're about to do? Right. And so that's 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 the game. Right. If we don't feel safe, we can't get the work done. And are we going to set ourselves up in a space like you're talking about doing super ventilated breathing before you get in ice or before you do a big lift? You're going to go to a workout and you're going to mirror this sympathetic nervous system state because you're going to set yourself up, prime your system and then do the workout. And so that to me, everything kind of builds back to this nervous system place and how are we recovering so that our nervous system can function optimally. Is that really, um, I mean, is that really how we should be approaching this? Like I always talk about, uh, you know, you should be able to go in uh, with a very relaxed heart rate and be able to do your training. Mm -hmm. And you kind of only reserve that high, real high heart rate, like howling at the moon. I mean, I've always been against people taking a bunch of pre-workouts and fucking smashing their heads and trying to like, you know, create this, uh, what is it? parasympathetic state yeah it? chill rest and digest yeah. or or no no a sympathetic oh, state sympathetic yeah where, state. where yeah, you yeah. fucking wind yourself up real tight totally and the problem is is that they're using all these different ways to get there and they're trying to like you know go in and train and what i found in the nfl is you can't dip into that well very often yeah maybe once a week maybe twice yeah and the guys that tend to do it over and over again burn out really fast yeah so and, and we see that we see and i see that like look i also like i'm a big fan of wim hof and the whole method of getting into the water in a way that you're setting yourself up to model what is about to happen and i see lots of big strong guys get in the water and coach lots of men and women in the water that are just doing the thing where they're muscling through and that's not the point of the ice in my opinion right and so it's like a hundred percent what you're saying is true. Finding the times where you're going to climb and you're going to have, you know, your primal scream moment and you're going to get the thing done because you, you know, save the baby from the car, sure. et cetera. But what I do when I'm coaching people in ice, what I think we can use the breath as a variable for quite often. It's what Kimmy and I taught a lot at Deuce and what I believe is a solid platform is like, how do we create a space where we are safe, where our nervous systems feel safe, where we can walk into something and then go for the gusto from there. 
Same thing with, with the cold is like, how do I, I downregulate people. So I downregulate them to a calmer state and I remind them how to breathe because the truth is once you step in the water, you can't hear anything else that I'm saying. So I have to show you how to breathe, get you in the water and remind you what we just did. And then it's like, oh, okay, I'm using my breath. This goes for training too. Using my breath to reverse engineer the nervous system so that I'm, I'm prepped, right? Unless you're talking about something where you're doing heavy lifts and then like explosive movements, right? Like a like a pop scenario and sure. that, that's different, right? But there's so many ways we can use it and there's so many ways people can play with breath from like mouth taping and workouts and all these things, which is a parasympathetic push. Sure. And, you know, is it happening enough? I don't know. Is it super interesting to play with? Absolutely. Well, when I see the Wim Hof stuff and I, I am just purely just peering from the outside, yeah, yeah, like cool. I've never done it, I've, um, so I'm no expert in any way. But when I see those dudes breathing, it looks like they're fucking getting ready to try to go kill somebody. <laughs> like taking huge fucking breaths and like ramping up their nervous system, like trying to get that fight or flight going to get in the water, which is exactly the opposite of what I think about where I'm like calm, cooled and collected. And then mm -hmm. you just, and I know I roughly have about 90 seconds to where everything numbs up. So you just have to be able to be like chill as fuck, get in the water, let it numb and then just hang out there. Yeah. That's awesome. I call that 90 seconds, the turnover. And I find that the more that you do ice, it's like, cause it's physi physiologically, your body's actually shifting the blood to your trunk and all these yeah. things are happening. And then, mental you know your mental acuity and and everything that's happening in your brain is like this is where i'm building mental toughness right and so we can we can like harken back to i don't know four weeks ago when this is exactly what you're talking about is like joe rogan gets in an ice bath on an instagram live and says i'm doing 20 minutes no matter what and that and i'm like okay cool and you get in and you're in sympathetic you never actually surrender you know, we perform half as well under pressure as we do when we're training. So then you get in and you're in for 20 minutes and it's wonderful. Like ice is great. But I, what I see from someone who's like 4 million views on that is that you might be scaring people off and you're not teaching people about minimum effective dose. You're sure. teaching them about like point of diminishing returns in some way. Right. And it's like, again, it's like no slight on people that are doing it in whatever way they want to do it. People should try the ice. But it's also uh, I kind of akin it to like drinking. Like uh, as an adult, like, like a case of Modelo's during well, a training or no, like, to, <laughs> like when you're like 18, 19, you just fucking drink until you're drunk or you pass out. Uh, you get a little older, like I can go have a few drinks and I know exactly the moment where I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. It's time to go home where I've had enough drinks. Yeah. And I think the ice is the same way after you do it a while, you know, when you get in and you're like, okay, that's about the, you know, that's how much I needed. Yeah. And you know, kind of how it feels and you know, if I go longer, it's not going to necessarily benefit you. And then if I didn't get in long enough, so I kind of figured out like what that kind of time is and I can, you yeah. start having this internal clock for it. And are you, you said you're not getting a shiver response. No, I can't shiver anymore. You just, you just, you've crushed it so much that you're well, like, we, we did I it. think that's from working in the barn here. John. Uh, <laughs> it's cold. Every single day I did contrast for my entire info career. Whoa. So, uh, we had this whole guy named Sean Landetta who was our punter mm -hmm. and he did contrast and I asked him one time what he was doing. He goes, oh, this is the secret. He played like 27 years. And he was telling me that uh, he grew up in New York city and he used to go to some health club where these old Jewish men would like get in like the hot uh, steam and then they would go in this thing called a cold plunge mm -hmm. and they would go back and forth. And these old guys told him that like, this was the secret to longevity. So I figured this dude's played a long time. He knows. So every day I would go in, I would put as much ice as I could. And then I would set up a, um, like a hot tank, you know, like 130 to 140. And then I would do contrast back and forth. And I got to the point where just, it doesn't seem to bother me ever. Full submersion, right? Yeah, just uh, up, up to my neck. Yeah. And then I would always end by dumping my head. Yeah. 
I just think it's like, can we get you a little colder, a little longer? <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I want to elicit a shiver response from you, John, but I'm saying that's where the money is, right? All yeah. the good health benefits happen in that. So like, how yeah. cold do we have to get? That's why, you know. I guess if you just keep ratcheting it down. <laughs> Ratchet it down a little more minutes up, you know. Yeah. You, you become acclimatized really, especially when you're like adept or you're doing it every day, you're super acclimatized to it. And it's great. It's, it's an amazing thing that that's happening to you. And like, where's your next minimum effective dose, right? Would be just my, keep ratcheting it. Yeah. Uh, Lindetta single bar face mask. Yeah. Wow. Sean Lindetta, aka the boss. Dude. That's what I used to just call him the boss. Because he had these just amazing stories about uh he never did any Oh, I love the bow tie and the that yeah. one is that high school photo of him is amazing. He, he never the ruffle uh, shirt. he never drank or did any drugs. Uh he was just all about basically chicks. And so he was Lawrence Taylor's wingman because LT wanted to do all the drugs. Because the punter, yeah, naturally. Well, uh, he uh, he wanted to do all the drugs. Uh, all the girls and, and all the booze and Lindetta was just his uh, his designated driver and the guy that just tried to catch the apples as they were falling off the tree to quote him and I was like you're the boss so he's the boss yeah that's awesome yeah and then uh, but because I was what 23 and this dude was in his 40s I mean he was I was 23 and he was my age now which completely blows my fucking mind yeah but long career good advice oh yeah great great advice yeah and uh, ever since then that was like contrast so i mean I, I still do it in the sh- in the shower every day yeah so but uh that's when you get in the ice it's, it's really nice yeah and like 10x the benefits in the cold water just from a he- cellular health standpoint which is really because ne- people are lots into cryo and it's like cool do cryo it's gonna help you sleep it's gonna help with like oh you mean doms like, and like, stuff. can we differentiate those two now just for our listeners uh, i did it uh we did the cryo back when it came out and uh i didn't fucking notice anything so it's, two, it's, yeah. yeah, we tested it, uh, Dr. Yeah. Tom's guy in Dallas. And, but, and I did it a couple times in Costa Mesa and, uh, I was like, uh, I'm good. Especially what, if you're acclimated. So what are they claiming? Like hang out there for four minutes? I just get real Versus. Hard, just super hard nipples. That's about the only thing. I was like, <laughs> oh God, I feel like my nipple's going to break off. That was about the only thing I noticed. Real excited, huh? No, I mean, it, yeah. it's you, awful. You, you see some benefits diamonds. around like Dom's and like better sleep and feel you know uh you get some bliss chemicals released in your brain and things like that but when you look at the research like the deep research even though it's like vast around ice baths it's like 10x plus the plus plus the benefits for longevity cold shock proteins and just an oxytocin dump and like adrenaline there's there's so many beautiful things about the ice that you just don't get from a longevity like if you're looking for longevity but and long-term benefit, you can put it cold. in a strip mall and you can get people in and out in it's four minutes. Easier. In LA, so it's, it's 50 a, bucks a shot. Come on, I'll take a cold shower. <laughs> it, well, but it, it's, I mean, it's a really good recurring revenue model. Yeah. Right. You get this place, you get four or five of these things, you get some high school kid or some, you know, $15 an hour person to go in and they go 50 bucks, four minutes, and you can just fucking roll them through. It's genius. Yeah. Yeah. And again, there's some benefits. I just never wanted to pay $50 when I could put ice in a trough or get out my forge or whatever and get into it, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about red light because we were talking about the saunas and this flex beam device, which I yeah. um, know and love very well because it's uh, talking about targeted red light therapy as well as. Um, well, let's get into it. Um, you provided uh, sent text and I two of these units yeah. and uh, I played with mine a little bit and read the directions. But really, like, um, is it, it, you know, is it uh, like localized? Do you put it on certain units or certain places or anywhere that's better or better? There's a few different settings. So take us through it and. Uh, yeah, for sure. Us. For sure. So let's just let's back out for 10 to 10,000 feet and talk a little bit about the the category is called photobiomodulation, which is like science nerdy term. Like you're like, let me look that up. 
photo and then he looks at his watch oh here we go no. but photo biomodulation no. oh no so uh, <laughs> uh if you ever see me glance at my watch um my I, I told you my little boy is type 1 diabetic yeah yeah so he has a constant glucose meter on oh his he's arm. wearing a cgm okay yeah, cool. yeah so he wears a dexacom and so it uh it texts me a, a notice if his thing isn't picking up so when this thing buzzes i'm like Oh, no more data. I wonder what that little bastard's doing Aww. with his phone. Did you, did, did, do I remember this right, Tex? Did you tell me that you you were a CGM2 mm-hmm. with him for a little while? It's super yeah. interesting to watch what happens with your own, right? Because I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've checked it out. I've been wearing it. Um, I just took it off the other day. I got to put the new one on. Uh, the thing which is really interesting for, for me versus him is uh, like if I spike, I have these huge crashes. Mm-hmm. So if I get like 120, 130, or it, it's really only comes if I eat bread or uh, like any type of gluten fucking kills me. Yeah. But it goes up and then I'll like crash down to like 70. His stuff goes up and like just kind of stays. Yeah. And then we have to do something to kind of bring him down. Yeah. So uh, it's just really variable. Like um, he's, his just deal isn't as dynamic. Right. And uh, it's pretty interesting. Like he hasn't taken any exogenous uh, insulin in probably about four weeks. Okay. Uh, so we were kind of managing it through like a low carb diet through the Bernstein approach. Awesome. And then there's also some other supplements and a few other things, but, uh, it's super fascinating yeah. like, uh, to see, um, like if he gets up in the morning, gets outside and gets like direct sunshine with his feet on the grass, his blood sugar is way better. If he goes and plays soccer and does any type of physical exercise first thing in the morning, if he gets up and sits there like a log, his blood sugar is all fucking weird. All yeah. I mean, so, scream that from the mountaintops because yeah. that's like electrons and grounding and mother nature. Like, yes. And sunshine. So we have the EWOT, uh, the exercise induced oxygen deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I brought the true form down and he'll walk in the morning for like five or 10 minutes with the oxygen on. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, and that's really helpful for him. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Like you guys the, will crush this. Like we'll, we'll yeah. move on from this. That's great. I, I really think. Um, and the problem is, is with uh, type one diabetes, it's kind of like being pregnant. Either you aren't, you either are, or you aren't. Yeah. And there's no like gray levels. And uh, when you talk to the doctor, being like, well, he hasn't taken the exogenous uh, insulin. We've been managing it. They're like, oh, he's in the honeymoon phase. Um, eventually his uh, beta cells will die and he'll be hundred percent diabetic. And uh, I'm like, well, how long can I keep him in the honeymoon phase? Like the next 40 years? Let's just do that. Let's just do that. And uh, I'd like the, there's just some really interesting things that, in the research that uh, I've read. And I'm like, ah, that's just not how the human body works. But like, for example, they say if um, you're in the honeymoon stage and you take exogenous testosterone or sorry, exogenous insulin, it will um, reduce the load off the beta cells, allowing them to last longer. But there isn't a single system in the body that works like that. Like the hypothalamus axis, if you take exogenous testosterone, all of a sudden your body stops producing testosterone, excuse your hypothalamus axis, and your testes can become desensitized. Yeah. So like why is it that it would work for this system but not totally others? Totally differently. So yeah. that's – but that, there's no real research on it because um, with type 1 diabetics, uh, they're insulin dependent. And the amount of money that the insurance companies make like doesn't necessarily necessitate a cure for it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty frustrating. Yeah, it's like cancer. Yeah, we are the new wellness system sitting here at the table, so we got to figure it out sometimes on our own. So it's great to see that all yeah. the things you're doing. Yeah, no, we're we're. Uh, I tend to take a shotgun approach, mm-hmm. where I'm like, what's everything that we can look at and trying to like evaluate all these technologies and like, okay, we'll try this, we'll try this, we'll try this, and see if something helps them. Yeah. So amazing, Dad. Uh, yeah, no, I just don't like. Uh, I, well, one, I'm I'm not a huge fan of uh, doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they just tell you all the negative things that you can't do. No, nobody's ever cured this. No, we've never seen this. And you're like, here's a prescription. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just take this. And then this will, this is his existence when now you just have to manage it. And I, I don't like, the, I, I, I don't like, no, 
and I don't like uh, somebody. I can imagine. Yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> like like tell me I can't do something, and then I'm gonna fucking run and try to figure it out. Yeah. So yeah. okay, well let's get into this. So therapy. yeah, so you were just talking about your son also going out into like into the sun and how that helps and how nature helps. And so there's a correlation with photobiomodulation, which is a big fancy scientific word that just means like it's that's the full spectrum of light. And a lot of light is visible and a lot of light is not visible to the human eye. And a lot of times light and wavelengths of light correspond to specific colors we see. So the focus here under that umbrella is really like red light therapy. And the two red light therapies that we find that are the most helpful are near infrared and red light. So the FlexBeam specifically, which is a device I gave you, is made to work on the human form. So it's flexible and it's portable and it helps with, you know, restoring and recovering cellular health and, and helping you post-training with injuries. I use it a lot for sleep before I go to sleep at night. It's a little warm and then it also just helps sort of the lungs. So where, I did. Where do you put it? On your stomach? I put it across my stomach, like up underneath my, like really like my bra strap line, you know, like my sports bra line, if I was wearing one when I slept. And then um, sometimes on the back of my spine before I sleep. And we've also done some tests and research around um, using the aura ring and testing people's sleep scores and what helps and using red light like this, using this kind of a device. And we're finding much better sleep scores, deeper REM, deeper deep sleep, less latency, things like that. And you know, that's a combination. The, the challenge, though, the interesting thing about red light is there's all these downstream positive effects, right? So you hear people will be like, whether we're talking specifically about the flex beam as targeted red light therapy that, I mean, the cool thing about it and why I fell in love with it is because it's, you don't have to plug it in and you don't have to stand in front of it like a panel. I'm like the girl who's like driving to Deuce when I was living in LA with my purple Jeep with the whole thing red on the inside at six o'clock in the morning. And I'm sure people are like, what is listen, going on like, with that weirdo? Listening to te <laughs> techno music. Yeah. Yeah. They think I'm like weaving ketamine drips into yeah. that moment. But <laughs> but the that that was the money for me because I could like strap it onto my body and then go. There's a lot of research that talks about pre you know, preconditioning. So like using the red light on parts of my body that may not be functioning as optimally before I go train, or if I know I'm going to do upper body or lower body, et cetera, then just using red light to bolster that before I go in and seeing how it felt for me. Um, but red light across the board, you know, there are spectrums of red light and we're seeing things that are boosting our mitochondrial health and boosting our cellular function and boosting nitric oxide in the system and reactive oxygen species. So we're oxygenating our tissues and all of this builds back. Like this is so, this is lots of nerdy science, but all of it builds back to ATP, right? Like sure. we're, we need to make energy. Our body's a battery we're, we have tons of water in our system. Our water is fired by the electrons. And so why not charge those, those electrons and charge the cells and charge our body, which is a battery. So this is why red light therapy can have so many benefits, right? And different levels and different wavelengths give different recovery modalities, like pieces of recovery, right? Whether it's like dealing with scar tissue, which is going to, you're going to use a wavelength that's like more superficial for the skin, or you're dealing with something that's like a deep muscle injury tear issue. And what we find a lot is with targeted, especially in like the sports arena, right? With targeted injuries, we're seeing people just recover so much quicker, right? Post-surgery or you know, with, with tears and other things in their body that they're dealing with sprains, et cetera. So there's a sleep component with red light. There is a injury re and recovery repair component with red light and utilizing it in a targeted sense. I don't know how many times you've seen, you know, websites with red light therapy devices or panels on them. And the marketing is always like a woman and you know, most of her clothes or a guy in like half his sports gear. And they're standing 10 feet away from a red light panel. And when you go back and dig into the science, we want to be as close as we can to the source of red light because this is the same thing as your sun going out into the sun. It's not just a vitamin D thing. Early morning sunlight 
is beautifully beneficial for our bodies, just like sunset. And I'm not talking about standing outside at high noon and getting a sunburn. It's like getting 10 to 15 minutes outside in the morning. The best night of sleep you'll ever get is inspired by those first moments of the day where you're getting sunlight in your eyes. So the sunlight in your eyes is going to produce, help your body set your circadian rhythm, right? Your clock's going to go off. You're going to be able to produce serotonin for the day and the precursor melatonin for the night so that you can sleep really well. So there is a component of red light when we can't get outside that can also help, right? Why people will stand in front of panels or boxes, how, et cetera. But we need to do it close enough that it's actually making a difference, right? Gotcha. That it's actually working for us. So proximity to the panel is important, which is why, again, I like to put the flex beam on my body and then I can just go and it's, you know, a few millimeters off my skin. And also like, it's not gonna work really over clothing, right? You wanna be as naked as possible, getting up in the morning in your kitchen making coffee and having your panels or your flex beam or whatever on your skin, on your body. So go for sunlight too in the backyard? Yeah, there's this thing online where people are just like lying down and like men, especially to boost testosterone. Have you seen this where they're like putting their legs in the air and just like totally, you know, I have no nice terminology for it. They're just like putting their nuts in the sun, to try to boost their testosterone and get their bodies going. I'll That's give fucking, everyone feedback. That's weird. I'll give it 30 days. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Uh, my whole deal is um, regardless of how much it helps, if it's fucking weird. Like it, like if your neighbor walks by and you're like they're calling the police, they're don't, like don't fucking awkward. do that. Yeah, don't do that shit. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, do I think that there is? I mean, Andrew Huberman, who has an amazing yeah. yes, yeah. amazing podcast, talks all about this, and he's like, there is no extra ocular way that we can boost like melatonin serotonin response that morning circadian rhythm it's got to come in your eyes yeah no it, yeah it's uh, yeah and the cool thing too is this he studies a lot of blind people and i like wrote him and was like well, what a blind pe- what's the story with blind people and he's like well blind people can't see but the light still enters yeah. and it, it triggers the brain which is amazing so i think that a lot of that probably feels good from a vitamin d level for the awkward neighbor thing or whatever but i you know the the most important thing is that you're not wearing sunglasses you're out in the light you're getting these wavelengths of light, which live in the spectrum, uh, the full spectrum of sunlight at sunrise and sunset that actually help. This is like since the dawn of time, right? This is the ancestral practice of like, that's what triggered our waking and sleep cycles. That's what triggered our our hunger levels, like so many sure. things and hormonal, hormonally, like how we can keep ourselves healthy, right? It's really hard for shift workers. But other than that, we can get that dosage of light in the morning. And so that's another thing that's like, it's helping your son, right? Um, so the, the red- uh, a sunglass one is a big one for me. Um, I like read a whole bunch of research about like your body not absorbing and like wearing sunglasses constantly causing all these issues. And if you're going to wear them, it has to be within the brightest part of the day. Just don't like walk in and fucking throw them on and wear them all day. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah. I learned a lot of that. Like as a conversation, I, I studied with Laird Hamilton a bit around this, like he does all these crazy weights in the pool and I don't know if you've seen all this stuff. And then I'm an XPT certified coach, so they like teach you breath and ice and all of that. He's sort of the one that got me to be like going from cold plunges, which I did, you know, years and years ago in New York, probably at the same Russian Turkish bath as the sure. guy who you were talking to. Yeah. And um, talk about awkward. It's like 40 Russian dudes and two, me and my girlfriend. <laughs> uh, were they beating you guys with those uh, like um, the Plata? sage? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, the sage the things. Leaves. Yeah. Yeah, the leaves. I mean, and then I've been in I've been in cold I, and heat in Finland where the tradition is you're just naked. And so you go, I go, I went to help produce a conference and be involved with this conference and all these speakers and everything. And then you go, and you're like, we're just all naked buddies, just and it's out. totally normal. And and you know, uh, my parts are different. Just I FYI. went to uh, <laughs> this Russian deal, like there was like a, a Russian spa deal in in LA, and 
like they have these fucking things and they be, it was by far the weirdest thing i'm like two minutes in i'm like okay this is fucking weird the i went to pompeii in the bottom of italy yeah. the big volcano yeah. 91 yeah. ad so then they've uncovered similar bathhouses so giant just the same hot and they cold. also had uh in ancient rome they had things called vomitoriums is that the vomit so they would overeat purposely and then they had rooms in like areas that were called vomitoriums so they would go and vomit so they could go eat more and that was considered great, like great healthy. way to lose lbs yeah <laughs> great way so, to lose lbs uh, and then if you ever go to england they have a town called bath and the, that's where the oh roman yeah baths luke and i were. visited yeah, as well yeah roman baths so yeah the romans were big on like vomitoriums and baths and if you ever read any stuff about nero or any of the emperors fucking weird dudes a lot of a lot of strange stuff going on in ancient rome yeah, it's all cool. It's amazing. And you we say go. Romans and Egyptians doing the same thing. They had a lot of sun worship, and it was like they didn't have certainly red light panels or any of that nonsense. They were like, hey, we're going to go out and get in the sun because we're understanding practices. And if, if you go back to like the ni- 1903, I think it is, there's a guy, there was a, a, a guy named Niles Finson who was like, oh, what's happening with my patients in the hospitals? I'm wheeling them out, like a lot of manpower, but wheel the patients out into the sun for a little while in the morning. And noticing health outcomes, improving, improving, and improving, and then trying to kind of spread the word on that. But then pharmaceutical industry, you know, pharma comes in and they're like, oh, it's so much easier to give someone a pill. We don't have to do these man man hours or this labor to get people in and outside. And it's a whole thing. And then it sort of falls out of favor. Right. And then it's like years and years later, there's a discovery of like a ruby laser and low level therapy. And they're doing trials in mat with, with, with mice and rats and, you know getting us to the place where we are now where there's like in vitro studies and human studies for 50 years and NASA's using red light therapy makes it feel like we've come along. We've come a long way, baby. Well, there were, um, in, if you look at homes, uh, that were like, you know, right around that time, every one of them had what they call like sanatoriums yeah. where they mm. had those outdoor sitting rooms so that you could sit out in the morning, drink your coffee and get direct sunlight. Yeah. And so like they had sunrooms. that was like a real trendy deal. So I, I bought a, uh, when I lived in Newport beach, I had a older house uh-huh. that had that, and the people, it was kind of like a weird room on the side and they closed it in. And I remember being like, what is this? And in the original deals, it was like a sunroom so that they could sit out there and like get direct sunlight in a room. Yeah. And I remember thinking like. And it has like no no roof on it. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. grandmother in her house had one. And yeah. I was like, oh, my mom would be like, we go out here on the chaise lounge and have coffee and, yeah. and, not, and just in our undies, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. it's yeah. like, and I think I was a little kid being like, okay, weirdos. Yeah. But also it like, like we kind of knew and like, I'm not sure what happened. We, we stopped uh, knowing. <laughs> well, um, there's so much stuff that we've known that we've forgotten. Mm-hmm. And now we're trying to rediscover. It's kind of like. Uh, uh, years ago when we were in Costa Mesa, Cali bought all of these old time, like thirties and forties, uh, bodybuilding magazines mm-hmm. in this like huge store, cost like a couple hundred bucks. And she's listening to this. She'll probably chime in. But, um, we started going through all these old books and like one of them, they had, uh, the, uh, hip thrust, like the glute bridge was in there. And they also had all of these exercises for training your eyes. Uh-huh. And, uh, like, uh, there was a whole supplement routine for eyes. I mean, there was so much information that, in there awesome. that like people like now, like teenage will be like, oh, we're, you know, th- this new thing. And you're like, no, we saw that in the twenties and the thirties and the forties. She gifted me one framed real nice. And, uh, the, this magazine, this one in particular was all about sex rejuvenation. So I'm curious if I just break the glass and read the articles, what it'll say. <laughs> in case of emergency, that. break glass. Well, there was, uh, um, years ago. Uh, I read this really, I was in a bookstore and they had this interesting book and it was a uh, Taoist secret, love, love making secrets. And it was all about increasing virility. And like, there was all these different, like, uh, uh, like practices that you could, like one of them was, is like, as you were going pee, you stand up on your toes and you push real hard and you stop the stream. And like, there was all these crazy things. And I was like, Oh, 
I'm going to read this book. And uh, it was all things that you could like legitimately put into practice that were, you know, like for increasing for virility as a man. And I thought that was pretty cool. Sports specific training. So yeah. look it up, Taoist. Sure. And when that's I say Taoist, it's all about context. T A O, Taoist. Nice. Yeah. So look it's just it up. all about context. That's good. Yeah, it's a weird one. Now and, and now, what's going to happen? Somebody biohacking. Can, You're biohacking. Somebody is going to hit me on Instagram, the... and they're going to be like, "Hey, what was the name of that book?" Like we talked about deodorant, where uh, uh, like if you don't want to fuck up your shirts, just use deodorant. Don't use any perspirant. Like mm-hmm. don't the combination. And uh, like my wife bought me all these different ones, and I was like, oh, "I found one that smelled good." Some guys like, "What's the name of it?" I'm like, "I don't fucking know." Don't ask me these questions. Ask him these questions. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. All right, so we got red light therapy, uh, which is pretty much like the ancient Egyptians had an entire religion around sun worship and Ra Mm -hmm. to the point where they built pyramids to be closer. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's obviously something to this. So what's like the, what's the dose related? What's the practice? How many times a day? Is it once a day, multiple times a day? Uh, I also got a question about the levels. Yeah. I've defaulted to always going to 100%. I don't know what the one, two, and the three is. I just automatically go to three. Great. So the different levels, great question. The different levels specifically on the flex beam, there is a mix of uh, red light and, and near infrared light. So each setting, it starts with one being the most superficial. So if you're dealing with like scar tissue or skin injury or anything that's more topical, you start with one and that's getting to be about five millimeters into the skin. And when you get to three, it's about 10 centimeters as deep as you can get the red light. So it's just the different combinations of wavelengths and light. And the higher the number you go, the deeper in tissue. So um, I also, I like the combo of two just because it has the widest range of wavelengths. And so I use two a lot often. Um, Do you have a more powerful one to get in and help uh, his Texas? Brain? Like I was going to say his inner child needs a lot of like red light oh, therapy. Oh so trauma. is there, is there I, yeah, one that like goes deep into we his soul? We could just like strap three or four on him at once. Like, some, <laughs> like something that goes back 26 generations. Red light therapy for your soul? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like uh, I waxed my chest once and brought out a lot of demons. Uh, and, and if you bring is it up, is that true? Like, well, he, do you have a hairy chest? That was like painful. As he's bringing it up, look, he, he, he's going to start to cry. Yeah. Uh, if oh, we even bad. mention it, he'll tear up. That's oh, how bad really? it was. And the worst part about it is we didn't know that this was going to be this trauma. And if we did, we would have been Filmed there it. as a team to fucking do it with you. Uh, so, so, so Tex had this uh, amazing thing. He's like, Hey, wow, if, really? Oh, no, yeah. this is, this is a, uh, this is a real deal. So, uh, Wade's army, which is our cancer charity, mm-hmm. uh, Tex is like, Hey, if we raise, if he raised 20,000, 20,000 bucks, hey, excuse me, not me. I didn't volunteer my body. Harry Heptonstall did okay. the wax tax. So somebody said, Hey, we're Tex will get waxed. If we can raise 20, so he raises the money and uh, uh, we were like trying to get set up for the symposium. He sets this thing up. Uh, Harry goes with him and Harry and uh, Callie and, and Callie for uh, all Harry's um, uh, pluses. Uh, empathy is not one of them. Right. Like uh, like I, I just don't see Harry being a very empathetic guy in that situation. So Tex goes in. What he needed to do is he needed to be. And, and I think you've come a long way in terms of being more vocal. Right. That's the one thing that I think like I really like you become better in the last couple of years of being like, hey, this might be a problem. Because if you had said to Luke and I, hey, I don't know if I can do this alone, like I'm going to need help. I would have fucking let them wax anything on other than my eyebrows. Like I have. a, um, So I have a, a what is the word like a, a incredible pain threshold. Like, uh, like I, like to the point where like I'll cut myself and then notice or shit will happen. And people go like, oh, that hurt. I'm like, no, I didn't feel it. 
So I would have gone and been like, okay, what do you want to wax on me? I'll wax first and then you do it. And I think Luke, on the other hand, would have probably let you wax his fucking balls, that crazy son of a bitch, and burn him with a cigarette because he's a fucking crazy person too. Well, he's done both those things before. Yeah. So he's Uh, like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we would have gone and done it as a team for the moral support. But poor Tex goes there by himself. He's got a camera with him. Harry is like the art director. And then Callie, who for all Callie's uh, amazing qualities, I don't know if like empathy in that moment with her, because she's a woman who, you know, uh, maybe gets waxed, waxed all the time. I mean, the fact that like she's laughing at me. Yeah. Women wax their entire bodies in parts that shouldn't be waxed and uh, uh, fucking are way tougher. Like women are a much more highly evolved human species than men. Like we can pretty much eat fucking anything. Like like when they look at like how uh, environmental things affect people, oh, they, sure. they don't look at men; they look at women. Yeah. Like the leaching plastic and the BPAs and this, because you guys totally. have these toxicity uh, high, and stress. Well, and, uh, just and highly evolved. Uh, uh, like uh, I mean, the fact that they get to grow another person inside them, like that's fucking crazy to me. So like we are, uh, and I've, I've dude the the thing that blows me away is um, we still have like this ancient. Uh, I guess you could say like this ancient hardware, mm-hmm. but we have this like really advanced software and uh, the problem, I mean, we have people going, you know, to the moon and yet we're still like basically the same kind of structures we were 40, 100, 200,000 years ago. Yeah. And also so, like, well, I want to give a shout out to like the men in the world because there's something that also you have to deal with, which is like, you're almost quite often social socialization wise, you're not really allowed to be ignorant about anything. That's, that's like the general vibe it feels like. And so- what? Why does it feel like that? I, I feel like... Uh, it's like the men asking for directions things or like you have to be in the know. There's a little bit of socialization no, around that. I, I disagree. And and I firmly believe that those are the uh, fucking dumbest of our species. I have zero problem asking for help. And if you know something more than me, I will be the first one to be like, you know more than me, educate me. Awesome. And I, also, I'm not sure it applies to the people in this room, but I see this quite often with men or, who are working through like some traumas or asking the asking for help thing. And that's the reason I bring it up is because you've learned how to ask for help and you're like, and also tell me more because we can't all know everything. Well, right? but and that's isn't important. the goal to be the most highly evolved, uh, most intelligent person and I can't know everything. So would it make sense to like find people that know more than me and then basically like brain bugs stand on the shoulders of giants. giants. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and that's, but that's my, that's my issue. Socially socialization wise with what, what you see happening sometimes, which is like, there's a whole, we're we're watching the world have cancel culture. We're watching a lot of challenges and this is not like a pro men, pro female conversation, but it is like, there is, you know, there is a middle ground and this like white male toxicity, like it's a lot. It feels like a lot to me as a woman. It's like, everyone is going to be able to evolve in the way that they can and the structure that they can. And it's not saying that there aren't bad people out there, but, but don't it's you also think it's being propagated for, for a reason? I mean, it's been weaponized. I mean, the oh, fact for like, sure it's been weaponized. like the the most hilarious fucking part of this whole thing is usually like the um, the purveyors of like uh, white guilt and like uh, male white toxicity is usually middle aged white women, and then also people on CNN, which is hilarious because Chris Como is in the middle of a. Uh, um, sexual harassment suit with, with one of his people. Mm-hmm. Don Lemon, who's by far the biggest fucking race baiter on this whole thing, he's actually involved in a lawsuit where he sexually assaulted a man at a bar. And then you get uh, uh, the Como, the the governor guy, who was like the king of the Me Too thing, and he gets fucking ousted yeah. for this whole thing. I'm not a pervert, I'm Italian. I mean, like, it's... <laughs> Uh, like and yeah, you're you're from New York, so it's like yeah. you know, like you know, it's it's just so disingenuous where these people are on TV just fucking fueling this thing, and they're the ones with 
like it's fucking two faces disingenuous and they're fucking low moral character fucking shitbags. But unfortunately, those are the people that the uh, you know the world is tuning into to be their fucking beacons for good and and for honesty, and they're fucking lying shitbags. Yeah, and then it's like I think that that makes it even more difficult for people to navigate around that because that's what they're seeing, right? It's silencing, and this is like you know this is like silencing people in the world who want to have strong opinions, right? It's like you obviously text text is getting better since his wax experience, I guess. But like you're speaking your mind, you have you're able tase, to use your so. voice. There was a well, what the well, taze. So 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 what we figured out a long time ago um, is uh, like I think if you and and I, this is the thing I've always appreciated about Jordan Peterson, uh, he thinks everything through. Like if you ever hear him talk on anything, he's thought about it from like A to Z. Yeah. And he actually, and if he hasn't thought about something, he'll be like, I really haven't put enough thought into it. So he has no problem saying I'm not an expert mm-hmm. or I haven't thought about that. But the things that he has, he's broken down into a million pieces and thought about it in a really like intellectually intelligent and like emotionally intelligent way. And it's just not like this fucking emotional bravado that he's just throwing off to cover the fact that he doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, I think the greatest strength is proving or is admitting that you don't know everything and that you're not an expert. Uh, you know, I was a um, NFL player and there was a lot of stuff that I knew in that realm and that I've learned over the last 10 years, but it was because I consulted with people that were smarter than me. And I've been the first one. If anybody asked me, I'll tell you exactly where all this stuff comes from. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't have to uh, pretend that I somehow invented this shit to try to get credibility, which is what I see happen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I see it often. And then I, you know, I run a business called warrior woman mode and people are always like, well, who are your mentors? Who do you learn from? Who? And and if you look back at all the people I'm learning from, including you guys, I they're mostly men because circumstance or because that's what I related to because I in, in corporate America, I had 18 men in my division and me. And so it was like I, I learned how to communicate that way. So partially circumstance from the way that I was sort of raised up in, in the corporate or career space and also because those were the people that were doing the things and writing the books and and the people that I, I sort of believed in and, and helped champion me, right, that actually put interest in working with me, right, in, in both professional paid relationships and then also just mentorial relationships. So, uh, I, I think a lot of times with a lot of this stuff, uh, it's about power. So mm-hmm. I think like if people are um, either challenged or they feel insecure that maybe somebody's more intelligent, like this is, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, like, like when I see a lot of this stuff, whether it be like a, a sexual assault or anything that's fucking weird that you see creepy, it always feels like more of a power issue. Like maybe this person's a high performer. Mm-hmm. This is my way to like bring them down a notch, take them down a peg or two. And uh, I like look at it and I'm like, what the fuck are these people thinking? Like the 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 Tubin rule, dude. Like the Tubin thing. Uh, he got fired from his deal at the New Yorker. They put him on extended leave and then they brought him back to CNN. I'm like, how the fuck do you come back from basically sitting on a meeting with your uh, coworkers, think the camera's off, and you're basically, you know, masturbating? Because we're talking about it, and we just didn't no, said CNN. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, like, and, and then the problem is, is that people actually tune into that fucking cesspool of humanity and put their values inside of that thing. It's fucking, it's amazing to me. Well, that's internalizing the news, which that's a freaking disease all in itself. Well, I mean, uh, I think at this point, the disinformation campaign has effectively happened where people don't know what to believe. And the people that they put stock in are now by far the worst fucking lowest moral character human beings on the planet. And so people don't know what to necessarily believe anymore. And our nervous systems are all crazy off kilter because we don't know because fear, right? It gives us a response. And so it makes everything feel this is the thing. Are you seeing this in your circles, too, that there are people having different stress responses than they would before and people having moments of 
just severe anxiety or depression or just ups and downs in a way that I've never like I've never seen before in my lifetime. Do you think it was worse in California? I mean, obviously you're here in Texas now for a reason. Do I think it was worse in California? Yeah, I think it was. Um, you know, I got this is part of the reason that I I fell into the Deuce community because I had a lot of people, men and women, in the fitness space that I looked to as leaders, and they essentially when everything got shut down, I felt like there was more fear than leadership. And I, yeah. and I, and I was surprised at that there was a lot of like looking in the rear view mirror and I don't know what to do. And I'm going to tell people to stay home and, and, you know, everyone's going to have their own opinion, but I was, I, I, I needed to look elsewhere to find people who are going to say, we're going to be safe. We're going to figure this out and we can still be in community in some way to be able to forge forward because there's more here and we need community. And, and so in LA, it felt pretty restrictive and, is it uh, was it amazing to you how quickly people were to break community and want to just basically just fucking hide in their houses? It was amazing to me, especially yeah. as a woman who like lived alone in a house and who's super extroverted. I was like, what is happening here? The only one of the silver linings in the early days for me is I was like, I'd put on my oxygen debt mask and I'd go out and run. And nobody thought I was a weirdo at that point because everyone's <laughs> wearing masks and stuff. But people in the neighborhood, like not always yelling, but, you know, just the reaction. It was all reactionary instead of like thought out response just reactionary behavior left and right and then you know you find out who maybe it's a silver lining you find out who the people are who really love you who are really your friends who are really going to accept you no matter what we don't need to go into the whole jab conversation but that con is a continuation of that it's like i'm you know if i was going to politicize myself i'd say i like am libertarian leaning and, that, and do i think that everything that's going on here and part of the reason i moved to texas was First, to be closer to you guys, but then oh, secondarily, just to really have something that felt like a little bit more of my freedoms were being upheld. And I made this decision very quick to move. And, and that was a lot of, as I continue to watch California become more on lockdown and, you know, taxes and things that are challenging as well. It, it felt like it felt like the, the move to make. Well, we made that move five years ago for the exact same reason. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, like the, the taxes and just like the fucking political landscape. I could no longer digest it. And I remember telling my dad this and he's like, you can't abandon California because my dad had pretty much lived there since he was what, four or five years old. And he's like, you know, things are cyclical. And I'm like, how do you like, how do you, if, if, if your, if your voice is not being heard and none of the values in which you expose or expound are being met here, like how else do you protest? You either have to move mm -hmm. or would you just keep paying into a broken system? Yeah. And so we chose to move. My, my mom and uh, my mom and my brother still live there. So, yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm I'm glad we were here in Texas because power athlete didn't really change. We already have our private gym. This is all. I mean, we just pretty much business as usual for us. Yeah, so, yeah, really lucky and good. Well, yeah. if you don't like your environment, build the environment you want to live in. Absolutely, yeah, and I think the community here, the communities that I've found in Austin, even I'm just six days into living here, but I've I've discovered, explored, and spent some time here with some friends, and the communities are really welcoming. And I will also say like. Females in fitness, people in the wellness space have been like overwhelmingly welcoming, sweet, kind, inviting me to things. And it's not that California didn't used to have that. It's just it's not the California I moved to four years ago. And so and it's, you know, not a slight just on California. I think it's more like a pro Texas, pro Austin thing because people are 
you know, warm and welcoming here. That's what it feels like to me. Perhaps that's why you guys are here too. It's, uh, well, it's, it's open-minded in some way. The people that are from Texas think that this place is like, uh, you know, liberal and like this deal. And I'm like, man, this place is completely different than California. Yeah. So it's pretty hilarious. So I think it, it's really the perspective in which you're viewing it. Like, yeah. um, well, but we also live in on the outskirts. So. Well, I lived in New Hampshire before this. So when I went to LA, I was like, where can we go shoot guns? And everyone was like, oh, <gasps> And like now I'm here and people are like, oh, I got, you know, let's go shoot guns. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, it's like, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's the same. It's the same. Uh, well, the, it uh, inspires some things in me here. Um, so we had uh, Brian Saunders on the podcast and then he invited me to speak at this event a couple of weeks ago. That was kind of like, I don't know, it was uh, kind of a pro freedom thing. Uh, JP Sears was there, that uh, dude, Zuby, who's like a DJ. And then Parsi and I spoke. Mm-hmm. And like the big thing I spoke on was like personal responsibility. And like, however you feel about the present situation, you have to be able to decide your own level of involvement or more importantly, what feels right to you and don't feel pressured to do anything you don't want to do. And just, you know, like you as an American, right. Or have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. So live your life, feel what you want to do. And, you know, you have the right to define what your version of happiness is. And so go live it. Yeah. And uh, the problem is, is we've gotten into this thing where now people want to shame you into shit. I'm like, then just fucking find new friends or find new people. Don't play into that bullshit. Yeah, those people aren't for you. The personal responsibility thing is the thing that comes up a lot with the people that I work with because I think a lot of times we're, you know, hey, like no slight on Peloton, but it's like, yo, I'm going to get on Peloton and do 15 classes a week. And I don't know, that's what everyone's doing. And, you know, there's just... There's a moment I think we all need to take better care of ourselves by looking in the mirror and being like, what do I really want? You know, sometimes I'll say to my clients, you got to know how you like your eggs. But what I really mean is that personal responsibility thing, like what what, and women training too, right? Not understanding what a heavy is relative and what does it feel like to push your edges? Because if I see one more Instagram post with like a woman who's just diesel cut up on a bench with like a pink dumbbell that's three pounds it's like that's not how you got that strength that physique that anything and so understanding the personal responsibility about what is it like to navigate food what is it like to navigate recovery tools what is it like to really navigate weight training and what does it mean to lift something actually heavy which is especially as we get older men and women right it's going to help boost our our capacity for living longer, being able to walk around in the space and the world. And, and I just learned this really hard lesson. I went and I spoke at the biohacking conference, Dave's conference, your favorite. Mm-hmm. And um, I had just over the course of three weeks, I decided to move here. I had COVID. I, I was home in LA with COVID for 14 days, packing my house up and being like, I'm impervious to this, right? I coach people. I know the tools. I have all the hacks. I have all the nootropics. And this speaks back to your, you know, we've been doing this a long time, this human performance thing. We know the rules. And then I just went, I was like on go, right? I was like going hard, as Goggins would say. And then I landed in uh, Florida to speak at the conference. And the first day I went downstairs for two hours and came and then was like, something's wrong with my body. I have to go upstairs to the room. And I don't, I've never had experience with anxiety at high levels. I, I've never had anything that felt like a, a breaking point in that way physically, where my body was like, oh, you have to stop now. If you won't, I'm going to make you stop. And so I went up to the room at like noon after two hours and I was like shaking and like crying, like when you got your chest waxed. And I was don't feeling. Don't bring it up. He's going to tear <laughs> up again. Look at And I was feeling like, is this okay? And I, I had to do the thing where I was like texting people downstairs like friends, doctors, nurses, people I knew, just like, hey, when you're on a break, I'm up in the room, I'm alone. Can you please come alone? I'm not well. Like I had to ask for help for that whole 
from like 12 noon through that night. And I was speaking even the next day and I thought, am I going to even be able to get up and speak? And what I ended up doing was switching a couple slides in the morning and, and saying, look, I'm going to get up here and talk about how to biohack like a warrior woman. And I want to tell you first what just happened the last 24 hours that I didn't recover myself, that I pushed myself too hard, that I had like a virus and packed my house and made all these big decisions and didn't off gas any of that or rest or, you know, take care of myself. And like you talked about earlier, sometimes women were more susceptible to these environmental things, stressors, depression, anxiety, or the research says that. Right. And then, and then I crashed and it was like the most valuable lesson because for me, that conference was something I'd wanted to speak at my whole life. And I was finally asked to speak at it and to share the story with women and, and, you know, Truth be told, in the end, it probably somebody said to me, I know this sounds weird. One of my good friends was like, I know this sounds weird, but it couldn't have gone any better for you, even though I spent this whole first day sort of debilitated and and quite frankly, like scared and feeling unsafe because I had to ask for help. I had to like process that lesson. That's a crazy lesson. And then I had to get on stage or I decided to get on stage and say, I'm going to tell you how I fucked up first. And then we're going to talk about how we can do all this other stuff because we have to pay attention to the baseline, like sleep and rest and self-care and self-love and stopping looking in the mirror and and talking shit to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was like an interesting arc of the journey when you talk about, you know, having to course correct or having to take care of yourself. So it's, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. It's, it's definitely recovery is a thing. That's so important. Well, uh, I'm glad you're here. You didn't die from COVID. I didn't die from COVID. I felt well equipped to go in it and uh, I wasn't kind of worried. Is that okay to say? Yeah, no, uh, (laughs) uh, we've been, uh, Tex and I probably both been exposed like a hundred times and uh, I've been uh, tested, uh, PCR, all these different tests. My kids get blood tested every, every Sunday for their school, Uh, antibodies, whole deal. And we don't have anything. So I'm kind of like, uh, but it was funny in February, we had that big freeze. Mm -hmm. Uh, All, all of our cedar trees broke. So I had to go back, basically out, I cut down like 60 cedar trees. Uh, there's this thing called cedar fever. Uh, I thought I was going to die. And I remember going and getting tested, hoping to God this was COVID, because then I could get on here and be like, dude, it's the worst fucking thing ever happened. No, it was cedar fever. So what happens? It's something in the, there's like a bacteria in the tree? Uh, mold. So oh, there, there's mold and a bunch of bacteria that are in the trees when it freezes and it sits. And when you basically cut and move them, it gets all stirred up. And uh, I cut down 60 of these things. It fucking almost killed me. Like I was, I, I probably had never been that sick. And I remember being like this fucking COVID thing. Wow. And then I got tested and I went to the doctor. He's like, I think you had cedar fever. I'm wow. like, it's this bad. He's like, yeah, no, it's for what you did. You moron. Like don't cut down cedar trees in the fucking. You know. Well, you didn't, but you didn't know, right? Like it's like, well, they all broke. I figured we just got to go cut them down. Yeah. He's like, there's a season that you cut down the cedars. It's not this season. Wow. Like don't do it in the spring. You got to do it later in the year. How long and did that last? Uh, probably about a week, week and a half. Dang. So. Was a little what was up with your taste? Something weird? So I couldn't. <sighs> I don't recall. Yeah, I couldn't taste like uh, like I lost my sense of taste, and I was like, oh, I got the uh, I got the Rona. I got the vid. It didn't. No, I mean when I went and got tested. Oh, it was, the, it was the pea protein. So then you started just hammering pea protein because you couldn't <laughs> taste how bad it was. Uh, pea protein's <laughs> oh fucking God. awful. It's that awful. Well, no, the problem is, is uh, it's not the taste. It's the fact that it kill, puts GI stress. Uh, like I felt like uh, I'd like I was like oh I'm gonna t- take this pea protein and all of a sudden like my stomach would like expand and I just like go lay down and my wife's like you okay and I'm like no I feel fucking awful I think I got I think I got gluten bombed and then we figured that was the pea protein yeah and Tex on the other hand is like ooh bring it to me I love pea protein do you free protein yeah. free or pea <laughs> free, uh, free. Both. yeah anything <laughs> that's free Tex is like ooh can I have it uh, yeah so 
Because people do send us a bunch of wild shit. Like they're like, oh, try this new naked pea protein. And it was fucking awful. Yeah. I keep most of my clients who are animal based on whey or egg and like an egg and beef grass fed or cricket. Cricket sometimes. So we have uh, this beef isolate protein. It's pretty good. Okay. It, yeah. If, um, especially if you put it in the shaker and you put it in the freezer, it like kind of tastes like ice cream. Oh, it's pretty that's good. good. Oh, do, like I, in the freezer. So it's not frozen solid. So it gets yeah, like slushy. And it kind of gets gelatin like. So it's almost like a pudding pot kind mm. of thing. So yeah, it's I good. like that. Uh, okay. So we talked about red light. Yep. L- let's get into uh, <clears throat> the infrared saunas. So selfishly, I you want to talk more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd, I'd like to, as an educated consumer and you're an expert, which one should I go for? I've been looking at clear light and I've been looking at sunlight. And um, the problem with those companies is they have terrible fucking business models. So sunlight and you have to get online and give them your, your phone number and then they call you and then you have uh, like a 30 minute consult with this guy who fucking doesn't want to give you the pricing until you feel like he's texting you and your best friends. So they finally send me this thing. I got fucking pissed and I was like, yo man, I don't have fucking 30 minutes to wrap with you about this. Just send me the fucking pricing. I'll make a decision. And then mm-hmm. clear light. And so I have a sunlight and then a clear light kind of similar business model. So I think what they found is that maybe people have sticker shock on yeah. the pricing. So they felt that maybe if they could like talk you through your buying decision, uh, they would do better. And yeah, just, they're like problem solving. They're like, what, what's the solution? What's the, what's the issue you're trying to solve? Let's talk about it with you. Yeah. Whereas I already know the solution. <clears throat> I just wanted to know the pricing and the sizing. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Because you've gotten some education around it for sure. And I think, you know, I don't have any affiliation with any like red lights on a company. So even better. But I will say that... Um, what I was speaking to you about before is that I'm a firm believer in, uh, you know, I, I think red light saunas are awesome. I also think they're very on trend. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, I know that there are certain wavelengths that you can get from like even a finished sauna just coming off of the types of wood you use. And I would say you want to find something that's going to reach 170 degrees and above. Okay. So 170 Um, is what we're searching for. Yeah. Like red light saunas are like, well, we're cooking you from the inside. And like, you know, there's a lot of different marketing things out there. And I think what we want to do is activate heat shock proteins in our, in our system, the better those proteins fold, sort of the better cellular health that you have. There is, um, you know, a component of the sweat that's really good for you and detoxification. And there's, you know, Rhonda Patrick has a ton of studies on her site all around, you know, we know the benefits of, of saunas, the heat and the infrared at the same time. But I, you know, there are a lot of options on the market. And what I told you is like, I'm just a firm believer in, working with Nordic saunas. I just like the guy Logan who's there is amazing. Nordic saunas has a whole range of units. They do aggregate some other companies in there as well. So they're sort of looking and aggregating the best of the best as well as doing everything up to, you know, building some ridiculous custom sauna for, you know, your mansion or whatever, right in the world. And so they do all that. Um, The thing that I like the most about it is the most educated customer service Logan and the gentleman who owns it, like 25 years, they're sauna.com. So it's like, you know, they own it. it. They are so educated in all of the, in all of the aspects of red light and all of the aspects of like how you work within a sauna, what types of EMF are off, you know, are coming off that sauna because we're all concerned about EMF now and what the difference is in with our, within, you know, a wood finish style sauna versus infrared. And a lot of times I will send posts I find to... What's the red finish? Is that like the circular one where it's just like straight up heat? A finished sauna will be like straight up heat. Yeah. And there's a couple different mechanisms, right? You can have one that's like... You can have one that's made of propane propane that gets to a 170 plus degrees, which is like the one I want to put in my backyard here because it's like easy to use propane. I can get it super hot. You know, you keep an eye on it, but then they're, they're um, you know, they're doing stone, they're electric. There's a lot of different ways that you can slice it, but they just... 
they're like the foremost authorities. I will send posts that people say like infrared versus traditional sauna and, and you know, it's an Instagram thing or something. And I'll just send it over to, to Logan and Nordic or someone on the Nordic team. And they'll say, uh, these six things are wrong and here's the research. And it's just really nice to have a resource like that. And so sure. I tend to send anyone who asks me okay. in that direction. But yeah, one seven, I think you want the heat, yeah, 170 the, plus. The one we have now only goes to 140. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I just went on Wayfair and I bought one a couple of years ago. I'm like, oh, let yeah. me try this thing out. So, but it's definitely gonna have benefits. Not like it's not giving you benefits. I no, just I like a good, if I'm gonna like do it, heat. let's maximize. Yeah, yeah. So if one one seventy, and then also if you want to do the different wavelengths, it's what, what did you say it was near, far, and red light? It's a uh, red light and near infrared and IR. Yeah, and so. the wavelengths you're looking at um, are anywhere like like the six. This is all what's inside of FlexBeam as well. It's like you're about six fifteen, six thirty through. 1200 really, but we go to 850. So um, those are the wavelengths you're looking for. And when you're looking at red light devices across the whole full spectrum of red light devices, you want to find something that has low EMF. You want to find something that has a reputable brand name. I mean, you find a lot, a lot of devices. Like I'm sure you see this with other products on Amazon where it's like, you can't even understand the business name. It's just a jumble of letters together. It's some company overseas that's cheap and cheap and cheerful but maybe not functional or high emf so it's like find a reputable company you want to get wavelengths that are going to be anywhere between like that 600 to a thousand range and um and you want to get the products as close to your skin as possible you know and anyone who's who's putting together red light is going to have their specs online Mm -hmm. and the more you know i always want to say it's like gray goose vodka right because it's like great marketing with vodka is like okay i guess yeah but the more it feels like a big marketing thing the more I stay away from it. Sure. Like, you know, it's like some of the bigger companies, yeah, they have slick sites and it's great, but they're gonna they're gonna answer their, your questions when you call. They're going to, you know, have all their specs easily available online and not waste your time. I mean, I'm I'm the person who calls and writes info at until I get an owner of the company. This is how I met Nordic. It's how I met like when I get on the a machine called the Vasper. And I was like, I'm just gonna keep calling until I can get like the owner or his son on the company to talk me through sure. why Vasper would help with, you know, my hormones, et cetera. So yeah, that's how that's how I like to vibe, and that's what people should be looking for out in the marketplace. Okay, cool. some of these custom saunas are pretty dope. Looking. Oh my, they're uh, so dope, amazing. right? So dope. Just, those photos. Wow. Yeah, I want the yeah. outdoor one. Yeah, I want to put it on my patio. And they'll like they'll they'll build custom in or out, but they also have ones that are like pre you know pre fab that, that you can just you know set up or or what have you. The one I'm even just looking at is a simple one that's just canvas. So there's a lot of people doing it with Canvas now to try to um, reduce the costs. Mm-hmm. You know, Canvas overlay. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, if you can plug me in with these guys, I'll definitely have a bunch of questions for them, see what we can get. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, red light therapy, uh, 170 on that. Now let's get in and talk a little bit about the cold stuff. Okay, cool. So. Cold exposure. Uh, deliberate. So yeah. heat shock proteins. Then what's what's the, what are we looking for for the cold? Cold shock proteins. Cold, Cold shock proteins. Yeah. The yin and the yang of world. The yin and the yang of it. Yeah. So we're looking for cold shock proteins and we're looking, you know, the cold, deliberate cold exposure. And, you know, people have been doing this in Sweden and Norway and, you know, for, for forever. Um, so it's not as weird, I think, as it seems. Right. And then everybody is sort of it's been popularized by Wim Hof and he has great uh, style. I like to say to people because I've put over a thousand bodies in the ice and coached people through their first ice bath that, you know, Wim Hof is a style. It's a flavor. It works if it, if it, if it feels right to you, it's like knowing yourself and meeting yourself where you're at. 
I tend to put people in, as we kind of mentioned or talked about before, I tend to put people in the cold starting at a parasympathetic state because I think, especially given the current climate of what's going on in our world, we need to teach people how to chill out more than we need to ramp people up. They're ramped up quite quite a bit these days. So cold exposure, 10x the benefits, then cryo, then cold shower. That is not to knock either of those things. Sometimes people are like way too nervous about getting in a bathtub full of ice or something like that. So they, if you start with a cold shower, you contrast for 30 days, you get to a place where I say to newbies, you know, if you're gonna do shower first or cryo first, like get to three minutes, get to like stepping in on cold, three minutes of cold in the shower and stepping out on cold. I, I'm a big proponent of pros end on colds, meaning even if you're contrasting, you do the ice plunge last, sure. sort of like seal the practice. And deliberate cold exposure is a thing that has so many long-term health benefits. And um, you know it's really around cellular health and longevity, as well as this mental toughness component. It also lengthens telomeres. It does lengthen telomeres. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's, 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 really interesting to me as well because I think when I first started coaching a number of years ago I thought oh I'm gonna put like younger women in the ice or younger people in the ice will be just like more resilient and more receptive to being able to handle it but what really happens is there's this parallel that I'm sure this would make sense to you it's like when you have when you're like the executive at HBO that's running the whole you know kit and caboodle on a movie or whatever which is a lot of what I had in LA that woman gets in and she's like, you know, maybe she's like 55 and a powerhouse at the office. She actually gets in and is like a Zen Buddhist in the ice, right? Because there's like, you're, you're getting this effective dose of stress in other places in your life. You're having to learn how to manage it and how to mitigate it. You get in the water and you're like, oh, okay, I see. Now, so, so you can see that parallel in the way people perform in, in ice and potentially even in heat versus what's going on in their life. Whereas sometimes I have people who want the good Instagram shot, right? And so that that's doing a for the very gram. different thing. Doing it for the gram. Mr. McQuilkin, doing it for the gram. Well, on that, we for Wade's Army, our first initial, I guess, exposure and shock for fundraising was the the ice bath challenge. Yeah, and then and then people actually upped us and did it way easier, which is the ice bucket challenge. Which nah, that's we totally fucking missed the window on that one. Weak sauce. Yeah. No, nah, full said, submersion, full submersion yeah. or for the good and calling people out. Well, the 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 reason that it was hilarious was that my wife is totally uh, like anti cold. She like is from New Jersey. Uh, I, if we had we somehow ended up here in Austin, I wanted to end up in Montana, but she can't. She's not a fan of the cold. So the fact that she did the ice uh, bath deal was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, she's still like I'm still scarred from it. Oh, well, yeah, awesome. that was that one caught on. The waxing and the tasing, it, it just stopped here. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants <sighs> well, to Well, dude, I'll tell you, the funny part is when you get tased and you go down, it was hilarious because then Luke, of course, can't let you fucking just, you know, go. So then he's got to do it. Tyson misses and gets his belt and he just walks away. Yeah, he didn't go down. Yeah, no, he didn't go down. Well, the, 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 tar, uh, the, the, the barb did, got hit his belt. No, it hit his butt crack. So like the jeans... Between the cheeks, so it wasn't skin contact. Yeah, and the other one, I think, got him in his belt, so there was zero skin contact. So he was like, what do you mean? And then everybody was cheering, and he's like, you know, you go down. And he's like, didn't feel anything. And, um, of course, nobody knows this, but typical Luke uh, Luke Summers fashion, one-upping you at your greatest moment. Yeah. The only thing I'm more surprised he just didn't fly into the room and wax his balls and then go out laughing, (laughs) which I'm, I'm sure he already has. A dozen times. Yeah, not on camera. He just does that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Saturday night, what are you going to do? I'm going to have a bunch of margaritas and wax my balls. 
I wouldn't put it past the uh, Naperville yeah. crew. <laughs> yeah. It's a suburb, small suburb out uh, west of Chicago. I don't know yeah. exactly, but they raise them weird. Yeah, they raise them weird. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where we got to see the Dawson's Creek, which we'd never seen before. Yeah, let's. Yeah, we'll talk about that off camera. <laughs> yeah. Um. So cold. Does uh, ice baths, telomeres, Tech, does heat yeah, yeah. telomeres? So so uh, the telomeres are like uh, almost like the tail back of the DNA. And as the DNA replicates, it kind of shortens. And so uh, I was just reading a bunch of studies on the yeah. hyperbarics that they can lengthen telomeres up to a third. Yeah. And there, and also there's a bunch of research. I don't know what like the effective dose is to lengthen the telomeres. How much is it every time? I don't know. But And I think uh, with HBOT, it's like what's the pressurization, right? Because you can go and get in like a 1.2 up to 2. But you can't. But if you want a medical grade, it's stronger. So uh, I don't. I don't know how that it's affects It's about two it. atmospheres. Yeah. Um. But you have to do it. It's two atmospheres, roughly sixty minutes under. Mm-hmm. So it's like a twenty minute, ten minute descent. So it's about eighty minutes, mm-hmm. and you do it for forty sessions, five days a week. Uh, you go five and then two off, and then Joe just tested one where they're doing it twice a day. I think it's like sixty minutes at like. 1.75 atmospheres but they're doing it for 30 days mm. and then he was also that's when he was talking about like doing the ketamine but i think it's like a such a small dose of ketamine yeah i but i, I don't necessarily know I mean, time commitment though that's like a that's a that's a n equals one study time commitment right there yeah like yeah. so so when he sent me over like hey and he found me uh somebody local that'll do i mean not the ket well i don't know if, well, i didn't talk about the, the ketamine piece but actually like the hyperbaric so mm. you, re- you really can't go anywhere for eight weeks yeah so i, I was thinking like November, December might be good and yeah. not go anywhere. Because you're grounded. Yeah. Yeah. And just be like, hey, for the next set of weeks, I got to go five five days on, two days off. Well, yeah. similar to the ice, there's these mo- the mall hyperbaric shops yeah. that are not. No, they're bullshit. Yeah. Like people yeah. are in there on their iPhones and stuff. Like they're legit hyperbaric. You can't uh, have tech written in there yeah, with you. Yeah. Like, like no jewelry, nothing. Because uh, they'll explode because you're yeah. breathing pure oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Have you been in the ice techs? Uh, I mean, in college. And then done. What's the what's the hesitation if you're like getting waxed? And can we just find another way? Like, let's raise more money and let's get text on the ice. Like, what's that about? Sounds good. Uh, That uh, that's like way easier than a wax. uh, What's the name of the company (laughs) that uh, you that that you were talking about the ice bath? Uh, I think Dark Parsley put me in touch with them. I just got a Morosco Forge. Oh, Forge. Yeah, M O R O S K O. And it's great because it's like ozonated and self-filtering and self-chilling. So you don't have to buy ice. Yeah, so yeah. rad. Yeah. So Parsi- expensive, but you know, in my, in my field worth it for me. Yeah. Parsi put me in touch with this guy from, yeah. Uh, Thomas Seeger. Tom Seeger. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's like the world's foremost researcher. It's at University of Arizona prof and researcher on cold. It's great. Yeah. I, he, he sent me his stuff and. Oh, I, right on the front page of their website. Oh. Our boy Greenfield. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So much love, so much love out there. Uh, well, you know what the, Ben Greenfield's really good about doing is setting up affiliate links. So I think he's got enough of a name where he can be like, hey, I'll sell you a billion of these things. Just give me an affiliate link. And then he just injects more weird stuff into himself. Like uh, his, like like the whole peptide thing, I was like, dude, you're either going to die next week or fucking live forever. So it's a, it's a So let us know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, but I. He's definitely like high, he, he likes the high risk stuff, yeah. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think at some point, and this is what uh, we, we've been talking about on this thing called the internet and also social media. When you train, when you basically like, I guess you could say you transcend and become a cartoon character. 
like there's a deal where you know you're a caricature I, of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like the uh, the artist formerly known as, <laughs> and you become fucking like this. Uh, you know, like I don't know what the word is. Um, uh, just ridiculous. You know, and you just become this like uh, this character, this cartoon. You might as well just draw yourself as a cartoon and put yourself into some fucking graphic novel because that's how you move over. and You're not a real person anymore. So, so you see, we see some of that in like the fame and fortune world of yeah, biohacking for sure. Um, I think it's really interesting too. This thing about just to talk about like cold and then you know it's like a trainer at some point, um, Jacques Devore I think was the one who said this to me who like trained a lot of cyclists and stuff. and talked about maximum overload. He talked a bit about, hey, I'm, you know, as you approach the, you know, approaching the bar is where the lift starts. And I think that there's a correlation to the same with the ice. And it's just something I want to say to like people who are listening to this, that it's whether it's cold shower or cryo, it's like all begins in the mindset that you start with before you enter the cold. And that there is anticipation of the ice bath is worse than the ice bath itself. I say uh, a lot. The anticipation of death is worse than death itself. Dude, you know it. It's from yeah. a Steven Seagal movie. Uh, no, actually, I believe it's... Uh, it's, 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 someone, it's someone who's actually it, really smart. And I was like, I saw it at six years old in a Steven Seagal movie yeah, or something. Yeah, no, that's actually... Uh, it, it, it could be it's San, like Bruce Lee or something. It, it could be Sansu. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's, it's from <laughs> the art of war. The anticipation of death is worse than death itself. Love it. And I think that that correlates. But Steven Seagal is also uh, a good, because there were a lot of great Steven Seagal movies when we were kids. Oh my God. I feel and like he's when a, I was little, he's yeah. one who's become a fucking cartoon character. Yeah. And now you just Sweet look at thing. him. Ah, such a fucking weirdo. You say just bless him. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's the nice way to be like, bless you. Fucking yeah. idiot. Uh, what, like, um, like obviously, uh, there's you know fucking eons of research about the efficacy and more importantly, like the the health benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that at this point, like the mental training is almost as beneficial as the health benefits? I think you know, I get a couple big lessons every time I get in the ice. So the short answer is yes. I think the mental benefits are. I mean, when you're looking physiologically, are we saying, oh no, yes, there are bliss chemicals in our brain. There's an adrenaline, there's an oxytocin hit. It's a great bonding chemical when you're doing with other people, people who take their first ice bath with me always remember, like we remember each other, but the, just like the external non-scientific mental toughness component. And especially I see it in females because it's like, I used to, when I, I taught yoga for like eight years in New York city and I would put women upside down in handstands for the first time since they were like 11 and they'd walk out of the room. Like they just had sex, you know, and doing the same thing in ice is like, you get out of the ice and you're like, I got, I conquered something I didn't think I could, you know, I put, I posted yesterday about a woman at, at the conference. I put her in a Morosco was her first ice bath. And, you know, quite often people will get halfway into that, like, step, step, uh, no, no, no. And your, your body has a sympathetic response. And I've learned as a coach where to find people's edges and to be able to guide them to get actually all the way into the water to keep going. And two minutes in, three minutes in, she, like, looks up to me. And, you know, that thing that happens at 90 seconds, I can see it in your eyes as, yeah. as someone who's there watching. That turnover is so beautiful. And two minutes in or so, she looks up at me and she says, I think I can keep going. I think I can stay. And that's... You know, it's like a silly little story, but it sort of speaks to the not just the efficacy of what's happening physiologically, but the oh, my goodness, I'm boosting my own confidence. I'm boosting my capacity and like how I can get out of the ice bath and then feel like I can conquer something in a different way. And, you know, walking out of that space with your head held held high. And sure, I think it's going to benefit anyone's everyone's mental toughness in, in some ways. Right. And specifically because I work with females a lot and we're talking a lot of 
shit to ourselves in the mirror in the morning and where we would never let we would never let our friends get away with talking about themselves the way we talk about to ourselves in the mirror quite often. And so I see some major benefits with women shifting their state, with learning how to control their nervous system, with understanding when big stressors happen, how they can confidently and calmly manage those stressors. And so that to me is like second to none, really. It's like the mindset piece. Everything builds back to that mindset piece. I mean, I don't, it's like, so, certainly I don't have to tell you guys, you're coming out of the NFL, you know, it's like, how well, do you be calm in the storm? It's uh, Mushiashi's, um, don't speak ill of yourself or the warrior within will start to believe. Mm-hmm. And I think about that all the time. Like, I mean, people are their own critics and you're like, okay, well, if you can't even convince yourself to be positive, how are you going to convince other people? You know, yeah. but which is the old, old, age old, if I can't love myself, how does anybody else love me? Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, dude. But this is what happens. Women are way more evolved. I think guys are way more simple. And I think if anything, when dudes get too complex, that's when all of a sudden I think things start going sideways. Cartoony. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, they get too, too deep into it. And I think uh, at least I've observed, because uh, I have brothers, is that for guys, if you're around other guys that kind of keep you in check and don't let you go to the fucking weird place then you usually stay pretty good. And that's what happens with celebrities and a lot of athletes. You get to the point where you become so uh, famous or so big that nobody around you will actually be honest. Yeah. And then you just become a fucking car- uh, yeah. cartoon character. And you really had a peek inside that curtain. Yeah. Like, uh, and oh, my I'm, God. I'm speaking. Uh, You're speaking from beyond yeah, practical experience. Yeah. yeah. 100%. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and to the point where you got to have people around you that will always shoot you straight. And, um, I mean, I recently had a buddy of mine uh, who I actually asked. I'm like, do you want me just to tell you the truth? Or you just want me to tell you what you want to hear. And he just was like, I just want you to tell me what I want to hear. And I'm like, well, I'm not the right person for you, man. Yeah. And so we haven't spoken in a while. Yeah. That seems like something that, yeah, is not it, not in your arsenal. No, no. I'm, I'm not going to be your yes man. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll, I'll go fucking, believe me. Well, because you want people to be better, like bettering themselves. But I got a lot of shit to, to do. Be honest, yeah. I'm real busy. And uh, <laughs> uh, cutting time out of my day to fucking basically give you a hand job doesn't fucking... Uh, work at all within my time yeah, schedule yeah i'm like i got time for just honesty if you need somebody to stroke your ego and tell you how great you are and be your yes man dude you go pay somebody yeah. to do that i don't need to do that shit for you yeah yeah and i don't know i mean i don't know if this is true about texas because again six days here but i think i keep i meet guys that are like holding space for each other in that way well here like conscious community or something you might, might call it but just men that are like yo i can speak and communicate with you and i can actually talk about the shit that you know, I love that you're doing or that's challenging that you're doing or here's my real opinion on what's going on in your life. I'm like, I think that's going to, well, I've always, that's uh, the next level that's going to help us all, yeah, all, I mean, all communicate better. If you ask somebody like, uh, I always think the most dangerous thing is when you ask somebody like, so what do you think? <laughs> and then like, are you really ready for people to be, I mean, and, cause I'm sure women do this all the time. Like, oh, no, everything's great. And it's like, like it's not great. Yeah. Well, yeah. and then also like what, where are your friends welcoming all of your colors? Right. All of all of your shit. If you show up, is it welcome? And that to me, that's a big barometer of like the friends I want to keep because I want someone to tell me when I'm being like recently I had. And this happened to be a male friend. But recently I had like a situation where I was like sharing a few things with a male colleague friend of mine. And he was like, oh, that sounds like you're making it too dramatic. And I, I understand that sometimes that can be like just a, a push off. But like you're making this too dramatic. And really, like when I thought about it, I was like, actually, I am. I'm spinning a little bit in this circle of over and over and over again about the situation as opposed to just like, don't make it dramatic. Take a breath. Tomorrow it will feel different. And, and you know, step back from it a bit. And so I, I need I people like that. I do this all the time with my daughters. 
I, I need people. My nickname is Hurricane, and so I spin about a lot of stuff in my uh, mind. It's, that's your license plate. It's I, my license plate as well. And uh, so. This is my daughter's. Like they're in fourth grade. Uh, they're kind of in like a combination fourth and fifth grade, and like they'll come home, and like I'm like, you guys are overthinking this too much. Yeah. Like everything, you guys are overthinking this too much. You guys are like way too deep. Like the, I mean, the, the amount of detail they give, and like, the, and I'm like, dude. Uh, like in like uh because my my one daughter uh thought that all the girls were kind of like too complex she wanted to be friends with boys and as she's telling me about the boys i'm like these boys sound way too complex i'm like you should have come and she says to me she's like dad i wish i lived in the 80s when you did it sounded way easier and i'm like uh it was easier because we rode our bikes to our friends houses things seemed simpler we didn't but have all this tech it's, it, it's it's uh like the the video games and the tech and the phones and all these other things are just really added like a whole layer that uh, I feel awful for them. I'm like, yeah. I'm so sorry they have to grow up with this shit. Less creative brains and less outdoor time. That's yeah. the thing that feels scary. Yeah. Well, um, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I remember like the age old, like, hey, I'm bored. Go read a book. Did your parents ever say that to you? Like, mm-hmm. I want to go, go read a book. And like, now I realize that the kids don't ever say to me I'm bored because they'll always have like, and if they are bored, I tell them like, embrace boredness uh, because that's where creativity comes from. And they're like, oh, shut the fuck up, old man. I was talking to a sophomore athlete that I coach about half sophomore in high school. And they were talking to me about like English and writing class and they had to stay up and they, everything's digitalized and they had to like label, uh, analogies and all these different examples in there. And I'm like, well, do you, do you write? And they, they said, no. So this is, I guess a few months still into this semester, but like to learn to write, they're just simply reading and then having to digitally highlight and then the like uh, subject, teacher predicate and adjectives and all like the grammar uh, alliteration, stuff. all these examples of writing rather than just creating their own story within their mind. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Hopefully they get to that where they can just, oh, I have this idea about the science fiction or uh, I'm going to write about something funny that happened to me in a way that I show I understand what an alliteration is and all this good stuff. So. I just thought that was interesting. Why not just write to figure it out in that class? But I don't know. So I asked, yeah. it was English or writing? They're like, no, this is a writing class. So they're teaching them like the technical components of writing? Uh, yeah, but then I guess it's easier grading because then I got this digital book uh, that then I'm highlighting. Yeah. And then they're like, the teacher is quickly checking. Oh, they hit, they found I hate, all these things. I hate reading on the computer. I, I like to feel books. I like the smell of a book. I like to hear a crack. I like everything about feeling books. Um, and to the point where like, I know I should probably be listening to audiobooks because I probably hammer through a lot more than what I have time for. You know, you're just like driving in the car and other places where you physically couldn't hold a book. I should be listening, but I still love the feeling of like cracking a book and smelling the pages and like that whole piece. Yeah. Uh, my preferred learning style is actually reading versus listening like podcasts. I can't remember anything, but I'm still entertained. But if I do an audiobook, I'm not going to retain much. Uh, I feel like I can listen and retain information other than on this podcast where I just fucking black out. Like Will Ferrell style. <laughs> What'd you say? Not this podcast, hey, but all say? of our podcasts. So the problem is, is people will be like, oh, I listened to episode 234. I'll be like, which one is that? And they'll tell me, and I'll be like, I remember that person, but I don't remember a single thing we talked about. Yeah. So I need to take notes. So if, uh, if somebody wants to get started or somebody wants to go down this road, I mean, um, I'm sure you have a deep, uh, like experience with like psychedelics and a lot of that other stuff. But if one people wanted to like, just kind of, you know, no pun intended get their toe in the water, where do they start? Like, where should they start? Uh, I think it's just like, it's meet yourself where you're at. Um, you know, and another people will say, 
I'm going to start with a cold shower. I'm going to start with cryo, but I think it's very easy to start with a nice plunge, right? And sometimes it's great if you can get your hands on a coach or a friend who's done it before so they can kind of walk you through it. Um, you know, the challenge for most people is like, do I have a, like I had to go to a feed store in LA to get a trough, you know? So the challenge for a lot of people are like, do I have a trough? Do I have a capacity? But if you have a bathtub that's relatively deep or, you know, any kind of like jacuzzi tub, or even if you just have a regular bathtub, you can go to your local, I find ice a lot at like the 99 cent store or something and just get a bunch of ice. If you're looking at, Hey, I really want to go as cold as I can. You want to, for yourself or you and a friend, you want to get at least, at least 80 pounds of ice, probably closer to 120 pounds of ice. It's inexpensive. And then just put it into the, put into some cold water. And the, the research seems to indicate, like we want to try to get sub 40, sub 40 around 60 minutes, around six minutes, 60 minutes. We'd be all be freezing six minutes. Um, the challenge with all the science on the ice is like, it's different locations. It's running river water. It's flowing. It's still, it's different temperatures. It's different bodies. It's different age ranges. It's like pre, you know, reproductive years or menopausal or it's all over the place. And so the closest we kind of can get, there's a, a really good page that I stay in contact with the research just through XPT. The closest we can kind of get is say, okay, around six minutes, sub 40 degrees seems to be optimal. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's, it's a little bit of a, a buckshot approach, but um, getting to that place, right? And that might mean that you're going to do two minutes, three times in a row and contrast, or it might mean that you're going to just stick in the ice for six minutes, if that's comfortable for you to a certain level, right? We're, we're dealing with becoming anti-fragile. So it's like, sure. it's going to push you past, past your edges. So cold shower, great cryo, great, but totally applicable to start with an ice bath in your own bath at home or getting yourself like Rubbermaid makes like a $150 tub. If you're really like, I want to do this twice a week or have an ice party every weekend with my friends, make everyone else bring the ice and you just buy the beer, the beer. Yeah. <laughs> you can use it for beer as yeah. soon as you're all done. It's great. Yeah. Well, we, we have horse trust right out there for legitimate horses to drink. So yeah, it's so always easy. It's so beautiful to have that as your on your. So we have uh, my, my neighbor has 50 horses. Yeah. They have a horse school. So, mm -hmm. um, part of the year I'll turn their horses out in our pastures cause they eat and then they basically pour shit everywhere. And then, uh, it actually is really cool fertilizer cause I, cause I drag this harrow, I break it all up and then, uh, I'm in the process of getting ready probably in the next couple of weeks to put out winter rye, which will like make fish and stuff. So there's a whole like method to the madness. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, they just think people can use a trough just like that. Yeah. And there are a lot of feed stores around, especially in dripping springs. So easy to find, not like LA. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know where you go in LA for that type of stuff. They probably like some, I had to place. like go out of town, like 45 minute drive <laughs> yeah. to a like tractor and supply company or something <laughs> when there's like starting to do farming or something. Yeah. And, and, and the ice is a great, it's a great practice. And I don't think you have to have contrast if the, if it's freezing, you know, where you live or it's really cold or, you know, you always have a hot shower hopefully. And if you needed it. And the, the big thing is um, that people don't talk about a lot is like getting your body to do the work of re-regulating your temperature in between contrasts so that you're taking two minutes outside of the ice or outside of the sauna before you get into the other one mm. so that your body's actually doing the work because that's where the beautiful stuff happens, right? That's where potentially the shiver response could happen uh, okay, and all okay. of that. So people will quite often go back and forth and back and forth without much time in between. Mm -hmm. And that two minute break in, in the in the midline is like where your body's like, okay, I have to regulate temperature in one direction or the other, cool you off or heat you up. And that's where the shiver response will come from sometimes too. Uh, so like getting right out of the hot, right into the cold. So you should get out of the hot take two minutes, get in the cold, then take two minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just go back and forth real fast. Yeah. If you take the space, it would be interesting to see if that, 
I don't know if the shiver response comes back. Yeah, because because there's so much benefit in there. But then also people are trying to use their breath quite often to like, I don't want to shiver. It looks all ugly. It's like, who well, cares? It's that's where the good stuff is in the body. Yeah, I mean, uh, I heard uh, Dr. Human on his podcast talk about like the shiver response. It's how you like activate like uh, brown brown fats. adipose tissue. So, yeah, yeah, and that's like a huge benefit of ice for people who are trying to recomp. Right, if you're trying to like recomposition your body in some way. We thought we used to think that brown adipose tissue, we couldn't make anymore. We have a lot of as babies, right? We're like cute and chunky and all the things. And then around the age of 20, we used to think that we just didn't make anymore and it was done. And that was part of like the cycle of life as you're growing. And brown adipose tissue is the good stuff. It's really dense in mitochondria and it has lots of just energetic properties versus white adipose tissue, which is like what we commonly know as like fat and what we want to lose quite often. And then, you know, the there's, uh, you know, um, visceral fat, which is like around our organs, which we sure. need some of. We don't want too much, but we need some to be able to sort of protect our bodies. So the brown adipose tissue, they started to figure out that you by by getting into cold, you can actually stimulate brown adip- adipose tissue growth. And it's like the transfer of some white tissue turning to the brown tissue. So that's when I when I tell you want to talk about like women being like, I want to recomposition my bodies and people who really want to have some some fat loss. You tell them that the brown adipose tissue and the functionality of growing more of that, helping you recomp. And they're like, I, before I'm even done with the sentence, they're in the ice they're bath. Nice. <laughs> they're in the ice bath. So like people are motivated by different things. But yeah, that that boost is pretty um, the leanest I am in my life is when I have a regular ice, ice bath practice. And mm-hmm. one other thing I want to mention that I think is important for anyone listening who's starting out is. Guys have the capacity, men, male, you know, biological males have the capacity to ice bath almost every single day like you were doing in sport and totally fine, totally great. And women, typically, if we're doing it every day, we can dysregulate our hormones. So maybe less problematic for someone who's in menopause, but we can dysregulate our hormones pretty easily. When I first started ice bathing, uh, I made a commitment and was like, I'm going to do 30 days straight on Instagram, just six minutes a day. And I really, I tested before and after and I really threw my hormones off. Mm And so that's anecdotal for me, but it's also what we see um, in the ice. And the other great thing to know, though, the good thing to know also about females in the ice is there's a lot of autoimmune conditions and there's a lot of like thyroid issues and things like that that are coming up with females. I'm, I'm seeing more and more in that in a way that feels like mm, there's some underlying cause. So, of what's this. the minimum effective dose for a woman? Minimum, e- minimum effective dose for a woman, I would, I, I, when I start with clients, I say two to four times a week and like to work up to that and to work up to the minutes and to work up the, to the time. Like, just be a little bit more risk averse mm-hmm. and work up to that space. So, two to four times a week, I will typically ice three, four times a week, not more than that. At, and that's at sub 40 and that's six. Sometimes I do longer because I feel like I've worked up to that, right? So, I'll do 10 minutes sometimes and, um, but not pushing more than that minimum effective dose. But we are also seeing, you know, we talked about allopathic medicine before and doctors saying, don't do this and don't do that. And I will just say anecdotally that hundreds of people, and I'm, I'm in touch with lots of the women who coach other women in ice in the world, hundreds of people showing up with autoimmune conditions, thyroid conditions, things like um, Raynaud's, I don't know how you pronounce that exactly, where you're having challenges getting blood circulation in your, your fingers and feet. Those are conditions that people quite often, doctors will say, "Mm, I'm not really sure. Like, obviously, if you have a contraindication, diabetes or heart condition, like you have to be careful of the cold and you have to get a doctor's permission. I am not a doctor. And we're seeing people with these conditions, not just mitigate symptoms, but, and I'm not trying to claim cure, but eradicate these conditions over the long term with deliberate cold exposure. And that to me is really exciting. And it's it's really based in not just the cold, but the way that the cold boosts your cellular health and your body's systemic function. And I 
when you can get someone out of those conditions, their life changes, right? And so it may be like, oh, this is cold and it's scary and it's all the things, but you can change your life, both mental toughness, your attitude, your confidence, the way you look at the world, the way that you respond to stress. And we're, we don't get in the cold water. We don't get in the ice to get good at getting in the ice. We get in the water and the cold to get good at life, to get better at life. This is very similar to what we do in the gym, right? We are training for life. We are not necessarily, unless we're like professional athletes that are trying to do something contextually, we are mostly as householders trainings. I'm much, much, you know, I'm an athlete, but I'm also a householder. I'm training to get better at life, to get stronger at my functional movement so that I can walk around in the world feeling, you know, solid and helping other people out in the, in the way that I want. Is there a time of day, like a morning, night? I mean, what would be most beneficial? Yeah, that's a great question. I When I first started, I thought, oh, ice in the morning is going to be like the big wake up and great. There's no um, quote unquote bad time to do ice. But what I find is like around that sunset time, because about two hours after you do an ice bath, you have a par- you have a parasympathetic rebound right away afterwards. And about two hours later, you get you may be a little hungry, you start to get a little sleepy, and it feels like a beautiful way to set yourself off to sleep. My sleep scores are better when I ice in the evening. And then the other thing that, you know, high-performing athletes will talk about with ice and training is like, I'm going to go do a workout. And especially for men in this case, I'm going to go do a workout, I'm going to ice after, right? We all, hopefully at this point, we're like, rice is, the guy who invented rice is not a thing, don't spot treat with ice, etc. Get a full submersion. But the thing with full submersion is we'll do it after a training, which can stunt some of the wor- the benefits we were getting from the workout, right? Like in some way. And what the studies show is there's like a 300% increase in the capacity for your body to boost testosterone as in men by icing before a training. Mm. So like icing, taking 10, 15 minutes and then going right into your training is killer to do for anyone who's trying to like before you go on hormone re- replacement therapy, before you're sure. trying other things to try to really boost that the T levels in your system. Oh, damn. So if like okay. that time of day is like pre-workout whenever your workout's gonna happen. Okay. So, you know, okay. we, see, we see benefits in both men and women from HGH standpoint, but testosterone seems to be one of the most Googled things. You know, how to, how to boost my testosterone is quite, <laughs> is a heavily Googled thing. And so this is a, a way that you can do that naturally. Cool, Yeah. awesome. Along with laying naked in the backyard. Yeah. Well, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, <laughs> don't, don't be weird. Which is, you don't know, freak out your neighbors. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it, it always goes back to that weird dude I remember I had at the salon. Oh, yeah. The guy that uh, was um, uh, ate everything raw. Oh, he yeah, might yeah. have been. A, he might have was been it meat too? Uh, everything. It was like everything raw. So this guy comes to our CrossFit football seminar. And uh, I, I remember seeing him because uh, he, he looked like just really inflamed. Um, and when I mean like just real lunchy, like, mm. I don't know what the word is, just real, like just didn't look good. And uh, when he came over to talk to me, his breath was really awful and oh. a strange smell about him. And so we get into the nutrition talk and he like raises his hand. And he's like, uh, I eat all my food raw. And then he like got into this, like, and then I started wrapping a little bit more raw meat, raw everything. And he drank this steel called his elixir, which I think I'm going to fucking puke right now. Uh, <laughs> it was like cream. It was like rock kale and it was raw eggs and a bunch of weird shit. And he used to like pound this. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, and he was like telling me how great it was and this. And then he goes, what do you think? I'm like, well, I think you were by far the weakest dude at our seminar. There were women that were stronger than him. And I was like, your capacity is really low. Uh, And on top of it, um, we have uh, the majority of like the girls that are here are way more muscled than you. So like something's going on and I would fucking stop whatever you're doing and pivot. And like he couldn't like wrap his head around it. He couldn't uh, grok that. And it was, I was like, dude, you 
you smell really strange. I've met other raw, raw, like raw animal. I, I know some people and like that's a, a health benefits aside. There's like a breath and a, and a yeah. body odor that's like very strong and different than you normally experience. It so. would be something if we were in a small collective, you would not you would be know. in our group. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I always think like, uh, so I was it Jordan Peterson. Um, man, it was, it, it might've been him or somebody else I listened to talked about like the uh, evolutionary um, pieces of acceptance. So the idea of like why we care about what other people think and why we want to be accepted by the group and how we kind of like try to like mitigate these things so that we can be accepted. Cause if you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, if we were like in our small little commune and like you weren't accepted, then you would be on the outside of the commune and away from like food and security and safety and all the other things that yeah. are, you know, would help you survive. Yeah. So like being a part of a group and understanding group dynamics and like acceptance and caring what other people think is ingrained within us. And if you didn't care what people think and you thought to fuck everybody over, then they would just push you on the outside of the wall and then you would get eaten. Yeah. So in, there was in some, line that's why you got to have good friends who say, you stink, buddy. So <laughs> that guy, and I remember thinking like, you wouldn't live in my group because you fucking smell awful. You can't carry wood. You can't chop, or sorry, you can't chop wood. You can't carry water. And on top of it, uh, your food choices are strange. Yeah, that is, that's in the new book, uh, Beyond Order. Yeah. So it talks right. about the importance right. of friends. Yeah. Essentially, if you... Yeah. Like how he references it, say we're all going out to the club and one of us is wearing a, a ridic- ridiculous shirt like Dr. Tom. It's on the importance of your friends to make fun of you. So then you change your shirt or Dr. You, Tom doesn't listen or you all wear crazy shirts. It, same. And same. Then, yeah. So there, there's a group dynamic. So Tom Inkledon, our buddy from Arizona, uh, Tom's been a scientist most of his life. So he lives in scrubs. So when he gets the opportunity to go out, he wears the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. Like Hawaiian print or like big phrases on it or uh, like whatever. Big paisley, crazy collars, big thing. <laughs> like watches that are like 70 millimeters, jeans with rhinestones on them to the point where you're like, what? Like, like I, I've been out to, well, I've, I've known him so long that I see it and I just fucking, I love it. I, I, I'm like, Dr. Tom, that is not crazy enough for you. Remember he had that like a uh, tight fitting shirt, shirt that had like the fake tattoos on the arms? Yeah. <laughs> And the vest is he wore like a shirt over the top. So it looked like he had sleeves, but like the skin color was different. That, oh, I was I, like, I couldn't stop fucking laughing. I was like, Tom, this is great. And he's like, isn't this amazing? And I'm like, it's something. It's something. But you, you keep him in the circle because it's entertaining. You know, it's uh, but, like- but he's he's legitimately doing it because like this is his way of like peacocking or like this is what he's like. I I wear scrubs all the time. I want to wear crazy shit. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Like I'm totally okay with it because yeah. uh, he's a fucking live wire. But. <laughs> I think the problem that we run into and which is so dangerous and I actually we did I did get that from Jordan Peterson's book but uh, the idea of like having people around you and I think with isolation especially when people exist on the internet which we've met people who just exist on the internet and they're fucking weird. Yeah. To the point where you're or they're like normal here in person and as soon as they're off into the internet what? I don't like, you can you? inform us of this personally or well i've met people where i liked them more on the internet and then when you meet them in person you're like well there's that you're fucking that's like the opposite both are like okay so you announce that to the world but you couldn't inform us in person well it's always uh i I always think it's hilarious when uh people uh and i'm just saying because it's happened to me where people are like oh uh i met john or i'll see something be like oh he was exactly like i imagined him to be and i'm like what do you think i'm putting on a fucking cartoon character here like this is legitimately who i am 500 john 500 fights. 500 podcasts. <laughs> That's how long it takes for you to be a real fucking podcaster? I think so. I don't know. 
Oh, I know nothing. Dude, our fr- uh so so they're um uh Tex is a huge Fast and Furious fan and he worships Vin Diesel, which is I weird. I celebrate his entire collection. <laughs> so, Vin Diesel's from Long Island. Uh, so yeah, I couldn't tell. So there's actually one movie <laughs> that he did straight. called he's not straight, is he? Uh he's got a kid. Oh, he know. does? Oh. Uh, well, I mean, okay. Well, who knows? I always um we met him in Vegas, and all, all I know is he invited my buddy to go play video games with him in Vegas at 2 o'clock in the morning. So I, I don't know how that all went down. But um, <laughs> whether he is, we're accepting of everybody. But yeah, of uh, long story short, he was in this movie called Knockaround Guys, and it has the fucking best, best monologue in there where, like, they go into this little town. They got uh, The one guy got jacked for money on some mob deal. They send these guys in to get the money, and they're in this little town looking for it, and these guys are kind of fucking with them. So they, they basically I look for I believe it's Montana. Is it was it Montana? Who Wyoming? else is in this movie with him? Uh, Seth Green. Seth Green's uh, in it. The sniper from Saving Private Ryan. Don't know his name. Yeah, he's in there. It's it's a pretty good cast of characters. Yeah. But Vin Diesel's in there, and he's their kind of their muscle, their tough guy. And so he gets in there. This guy's rude to him. He's like, he'll do. And he walks over, and the guy's like, what the fuck do you want? And he looks at him. He goes, five hundred. He goes, five hundred fucking what? And then he spits on his shoe. Five hundred fights. 500 fights is what you need to consider yourself a real tough guy. And he has this whole monologue that beats the dog shit out of this dude. And uh, I really liked it. And we posted it. And then people fucking were coming at me hard about it. And I'm like, you know, no real tough guy would ever post this. I'm like, get the fuck out of your internet world. It's a great monologue. Fuck you. Yeah, it just seems like you're not trying to report right. that people should go have 500 fights, but it's a cool, it's a yeah, cool yeah, piece of art. Yeah, like yeah. no like no legitimate tough guy would have 500 fights. And I'm like, okay, now you're the legitimate tough guy on the internet. Like you're really trying to connect, uh, for, fucking correct the internet. We're all taking ourselves too seriously. <sighs> like I'm, I'm like, where is the guy on the internet who's like, I'm starting at the beginning and I'm going to fix every wrong and I'm going to correct the internet. You know, and in the background, he's just playing the Dukes of Hazard theme song. <laughs> Riding in the wrongs, straightening the curves. I mean, fuck, who are you, the, like, the Lone Ranger of the internet? Oh, I fucking hate it. Oh, uh, Alberta? It's in Canada? Delilah, Delia, Alberta. So Alberta would be way off. Canada. I don't know, well, yeah, which part? East, uh, west? 2001, uh, action comedy. We action need more comedy? Action. We need more action comedies. Action comedy? <laughs> uh, I thought action comedy was what The Rock does. Yeah, like, but what, like what's Hobbs the one with Shaw? Stallone where they get out of prison? Is that like an action? That's uh, not really a comedy. What, uh, um, Tango and Cash? Tango and Cash. That's action comedy. The documentary? It's, is that an action comedy? I well, no, an action comedy is Big or? Trouble in Little, Little China. China. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, wait, but that was an action documentary or was that a comedy? Tango and Cash doc. <laughs> Kurt <you> know, Russell. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, I'll just tell Big you this. Fan. I'm really excited about the new Dune movies. D-U-N-E. D-U-N-E, dude. Yes, Herbert. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, did you see... Did you see... You've seen, you've seen the knock... The, I, the one they tried to remake that didn't go so well. No, I, I, I did not see that. I saw the original one, and I yeah. read all of the books mm-hmm. when I was in college. So, like, uh, uh, Dune, Dune Messiah, all the books, and the only... I, I don't know if you've read them. I've read them, and I also... Um, I own Quetzots.com. <laughs> so what? Is, what is that? It's nothing now. It's just... It's like the Quetzots Haderach is like the community, or like the yeah. group of like of, wizards uh, or something. Well, the Fremen. <laughs> the Fremen. So uh, the only other person... Well, that's great. We found another one. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Starrett was, for years, was the only other person I knew that had read all the Dune books. And so I would reference the Fremen and the Dune books constantly in our seminars. You know, the idea of like, you know, uh, uh, find what is incomplete. You take like the way of the knife. You basically cut it off and now it's complete. Which is pretty much power athlete. The uh, find what's useful, discard what's useless, mm-hmm. which is the Jeet Kune Do uh, approach. 
but like the Fremen and all of like the, the teachings from those books, I would use that constantly. Like Arrakis was created to, to create the, uh, the faithful. And so I'd drop all these like literary references into our seminar and uh, nobody would ever notice because people hadn't read it. So it was funny. I saw the preview the other day and just as I'm doing that, I text Kelly Star Red. I'm like, Dune, October 22nd. And he hits me back and is like, I'm so excited. Like this has been a huge deal. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited for this Dune. Correction. Yeah. It's, the knockaround guys is based small town Montana, ah, but, but it was filmed, filmed in yeah Canada. So pull up uh, the new Dune movie. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm fucking. I could not be more. It's exciting. It's exciting. Number one, the old movie cool, but also then there was like for ten years there was this like spinning of people trying to fund another Dune, and yep. there's like a, a, a sort of like Ooh. a piecemeal movie put together. That just was there another movie. Uh, it's this like the documentary think, of the trying to make uh, Dune over Oh, that's again. hilarious. That's so like Apocalypse Now documentary? So they have, a, I think J- Jason Momoa is in this next one, which is fucking uh-huh. awesome. Uh, Wild. Dave yeah. Bautista, Jason Momoa, Oscar Isaac, who was in the new Star Wars. Is, dude, um, I feel like, thank God I came here today because this is like important. I dude, I, I like I like when I say I read those movies, uh, th- this is really sad, but I, I got like obsessed with like different um a uh, series of books in college. Like I read all Anne Rice's books. Um, dude, I read like uh, the Godfather's, uh, all the yeah. Godfather books. Anne Rice uh, also has a pseudonym where she wrote some dirty yeah. books, which yeah. I read. Super exciting. Erotic yeah. fiction. So Anne Rice uh, came and did like a like a, a book signing deal in San Francisco at the City Lights. Mm. And um, I was working security at a club in, in San Francisco and I got a chance to like go there. I didn't get, I didn't get it signed because the line was too long. But uh, I read all her books uh, and then I read all the Dune books and then they get to the point where like they're so fucking far out there that you almost have to go back and reread everything just to figure out what the fuck happened. And so mm-hmm. I had a lot of time invested. But yeah. it's great. I found another one. And I always yeah. tell Kelly, you were the only other person I know that, that got as far into it as I did. I will give a hot tip to like my I had a my, my biggest long term relationship, a, a guy who's we're still amazingly close. But he for Christmas, the very first year we were dating a couple months in, he was like. If you want to understand me, here's the book. Here's the books. And I was like, okay, I'll start. I'll start now. The Fremen. Frank Dude. Herbert. Here we go. Uh, and that was, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't bo- do a lot of um, sci-fi before the, that. Though those books are written in the 60s, which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. And then if you want to read some really wacky shit, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, the Scientologist, his science fiction shit is next world. Like Battlefield Earth and all this crazy shit. He was a science fiction writer that they built a religion around. Shocker. <laughs> It's always joke that like people fighting and killing each other over like whose God's better is like kill, trying to fight and kill who's over who has a better imaginary friend. It's like, oh, yeah, it's oh, like a yeah. Star Wars convention. Oh, yeah. Crazy. That's so. exciting. Okay. The 22nd of October that it's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like and we can go to movie theaters in Texas. Oh, yeah. You can go anywhere. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> It's going to be yeah, it's going to be a big deal. I'm pretty fucking excited. I, uh, um, Especially if it's well done. So fingers crossed. Uh, Josh Brolin. Yeah, it's got Josh Brolin in it. Uh, it's from the previews because I, I watched some of the YouTube previews. It looks like big money, big sets. Mm. Um, I don't know if you remember the original one with Sting in it, which I mean, it, it was like, I mean, I guess it was as good as you were going to get. It was, in the like, 80s. it was like the old, it was like the old Star Trek, right? It was like yeah. backdrops and things. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, like big the thumpers worms, and like, yeah, the worms <laughs> and all that shit. Yeah. And then it's like, uh, uh, this is a two part adaptation. That covers the first half of the book. So this movie is only half the book. Oh. Half the even better. That means they're taking Draw their time out. to really get into it. Because there's Arrakis. a lot in there. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's, no, it's gonna be good. Um, 
dude, I haven't been this excited about a movie in a long time. Amazing. So. Music by Hans Zimmer. Oh, well, yeah, Still man. On. He can't, he can do no wrong. It's true. Well, you heard it here, folks. Dude, <laughs> October 22nd. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. As I told my daughter, uh, so uh, when we, my, my girls go to a private school, and so when I, I met their friends, uh, they were all dorks. I mean, like the, all the kids that go to school are, are nerds. And I told her, I'm like, hey, I went to public school. All these kids would have got beaten up in my public school. And so I joke and uh, I, I call her and her friends the nerd herd. And she's like, yeah. I was like, what are you guys doing? She's like, yeah, just cruising around with the nerd herd. And then, uh, but I've told them, I'm like, it's actually a good thing because all the nerds that I went to high school with are all fucking super successful. Successful, yeah. Yeah, like one of the guys who was uh, like in one of my classes, he's like the head counsel for MGM. Like, I mean, there's people that are, I'm like, they were dorks in high school and now they're fucking crushing it. So all the guys that weren't cool or that were cool, they're not fucking cool now. So I was like, keep hanging out with the nerds. You'll be fine. Yeah, I like the nerd herd. Yeah. I'm like, the nerd herd will probably be successful. Yeah. Killing it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on another episode of Power Athlete Radio. It was enlightening. And uh, thanks for coming on. Enlightening? Is that a red light pun? (laughs) No, it it just is. I mean, anytime we can learn something and further our knowledge, I'm fucking in. You know me. Yeah. I was excited because I was like, Tex, tell me everything you know about red light. And he's like, nothing. It's red. Cool. And I was like, you're right. And then you get to come to our cool podcast room. It's it's actually it's, I want to tell just you I've been screen. on several podcasts and this is sort of the coolest podcast space I've ever been in. Well, I really like uh, it. we got a whole bunch of skulls. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem is Harry told me it looked bad if we had a horse skull on there, so that's why we got the head horse bust. I like it, gold. Yeah, so I'm gonna try to find a buffalo next. Oh. Well, thanks for having me here to talk about recovery and talk about if, flex beam and if red light. People want to get a hold of you. Where where do they find you? Um, well, they can find me at Warrior Woman Mode on Instagram. It's the easiest way. All my programs online and one-on-one are there. And Flexbeam is at recharge.com. And uh, yeah, easy to find. You can Google Flexbeam and check out everything there is to know about portable targeted red light therapy. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can find Kristen Weitzel on Instagram at Warrior Woman Mode. Until next time, bye!